Yes Have Some Podcast is brought to you by Carnivorous Creations, your one-stop shop for all of your proton pack building needs. If you're in the market for a proton pack, head to carnivoruscreations.com. That's carnivorous with a K. You're going to find aluminum motherboards, resin parts, fiberglass shells, and a whole lot more. Find them on Facebook at Carnivorous Creations or head straight to carnivoruscreations.com. Remember carnivorous with a K and get started on an authentic screen accurate proton pack. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. From the corner penthouse of Spook Central, all the way to Star Killer Base, this is Yes Have Some Podcast. You like? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. You know, they told me you people were conceited douchebags. The only place in the multiverse where you can love the book, hate the movie, but still buy all the toys. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi master. A what? Please remember to hold on to your butts and get ready to get stressed. With your hosts, Craig Goldberg, Abigail Gardner, and Jacob Walsh. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Yes Have Some Podcast. My name is Craig Goldberg. Thank you so much for joining us. Abby and Jake have the night off. I'm flying solo, and I'm talking with friend of the podcast, Rob Barbieri. You probably know him on Instagram as Bobby80s. He is an avid toy collector, huge into vintage Ghostbusters, uh, Kenner toys, uh, just a good guy. He knows a lot about toys. He's dropping knowledge, but most of all, we're going to hear his story. He came into possession of the original Real Ghostbusters pilot. He found it on film. It was released on Ghostbusters Day this year on Ghostbusters.com. It was a big deal. Everybody was talking about it. And we wanted Rob to come on and tell his story. How did he find the real? What made him take five months out of his life to restore it? We're talking 5,500 frames of individual JPEGs that he painstakingly did himself to bring it back to its original glory and he partnered with Sony to release it on Ghostbusters Day on Ghostbusters.com. So we cover that and a whole lot more. We're talking Mattel, we're talking Jurassic World, we're talking Hasbro, we're talking Kenner, Holy Grails, Vintage Finds, we do a little bit of complaining, we do a little bit of stress, it's a lot of fun. So before we get going with that, I do want to let you know, if you want to find Yes Have Some on social media, it's going to be at YHS Podcast, Instagram and Twitter, Facebook.com slash Yes Have Some Cast. And don't forget to join Yes Have Some Group Therapy, which is our official discussion group. And don't forget to subscribe to Yes Have Some on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. And if you like what you hear on Yes Have Some, don't forget to leave us a review. It helps us more than you know. Okay, on to our discussion with Rob. Here we go. All right, we are here with Rob Barbieri, better known, best known as Bobby 80s from Instagram. And I guess that's where, uh, well, welcome to the Yes Have Some podcast, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you've amassed like a pretty good following on Instagram over the last couple of years, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, it's only been, uh, I mean, I would say probably three to three to four years and it's been pretty crazy. Uh, it's been steadily growing, and now it just passed uh, fifteen thousand uh, about a few months ago. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, do you do now? You've got a private. Uh, well, it's like it's not a private, but you have a Facebook group, uh, Bobby's Toy Chest. That's kind of where you do a lot of your, uh, you know, your discussions. People get in there, talk about toys, talk about you know, show off their collections and stuff. Um, do you have a lot of fun doing that? I mean, obviously, you're taking. You know, some people just collect, right? So some people just have their collections. Maybe they keep keep it private, but you really like sharing. Uh, kind of all your treasures because you you've taken it to a different level and I want to get into all that uh, but do you enjoy kind of interacting with everybody I love the interaction I mean reading the comments and mostly the the shock and awe of people the when they say like oh my god I had that or oh my god I had no idea that existed um, I get kind of like an archaeologist kind of like you know feeling when I'm like oh look what I found kind of thing um, cause a lot of it too is stuff that I never knew existed or it's something that I was hunting for a long time and, uh, I finally was able to acquire it. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of people that they're just collectors and they're very closeted. They're very, you know, to themselves. And I just, I'm just not that way. I mean, I, I like to be able to show things and, um, you know, show things that they listen, this is out there. And, you know, if you're into RoboCop or if you're into, uh, Ghostbusters, you know, here's something that you may not have known that is out there. And, uh, if you're collecting, you know, uh, good luck and, uh, hope you find it. <laughs> yeah. How long, so when did you get, like, it's kind of one of those questions, like people always ask me, like, how long have you been collecting toys? And it's like, well, I never stopped buying <laughs> toys. Like I'm 34. There's never been a time in my life where I wasn't buying and displaying toys in, in some form or fashion. But there is usually some separation between like the, I was a kid who had a shit ton of Ghostbusters and now I'm an mm-hmm. adult who's like uh, building the collection. So how long have you been uh, kind of doing the second part? Well, like just like you said, I mean, like I grew up, uh, I'm an only child, so I had a lot of crap as a kid. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, I mean, whatever, whatever to shut me up, I basically, my parents like, here you go. Um, and back then, you know, it was a lot of, you know, toys I had, uh, from different lines. And if it had a cartoon or movie based off of it, I, I, it was something I had. And, um, I grew up in the late eighties, early nineties when I had toys, you know, that were just, just, no, here you go. Um, a lot of it was broken along the way, mostly because i like to reverse engineer stuff. I was like, how the hell does this thing work? You okay, know? Yeah. But the problem was I can never figure out how to put it back together. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's funny that you bring that. Like I have these very specific memories of like having garage sales. Like this thing happened to me when I was, you know, I collected, I was huge into Ghostbusters, huge into Ninja Turtles, like all the, all the standard stuff. I, I was GI Joe transformers. Masters of the universe was all just like that one or two years before, you know, I was kind of hitting that key age. Uh, right. But I like have these very specific memories of like my interests transitioning, got really into like sports and like I was replacing, uh, you know, Ghostbusters with Michael Jordan or whatever. And I remember like selling uh, all of my toys at garage sales uh, to buy like basketball cards. And when I think about that stuff, it's so painful. Like I (laughs) like my original uh, police academy. Uh, you know, HQ playset. I, I specifically remember being like, I don't want this. Get rid of it. Five dollars, and it's just like so. Oh. Pain- it's so painful. I, I honestly, I have one of those stories, but I, 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 I didn't have the um, willpower to let it go, and it, I still have it to this day. Uh, even though I beat the shit out of it as a kid, right. and I 
have restored it since to the best of my abilities, but <laughs> it was my original Kenner Ghostbusters Ecto-1 car. Okay. Um, I beat the crap out of the windshield. I was, I was trying to, you know, I was a violent kid. I, I, won't, I won't lie. I was like trying to like, like recreate like a, like a car crash scene. Okay. So I beat the hell out of the windshield. <laughs> oh, wow. That's cool. You're trying to get no. like some uh, screen accurate Kenner, you know, RGB. I like that. Yeah, but um, to re to to re answer your your question a little bit further, like so, I had a lot of stuff as a kid, and whatever didn't get broken along the way, my dad would, you know, as I got older, he would slowly like either goodwill it or you know Salvation Army it or just literally just throw it out, and um, without even telling me, and so it wasn't until after college that I started you know getting to eBay and you know um, realizing oh crap I used to have all this stuff where is right. it. And, uh, dad, where is it? Oh, I right. threw that out a long time ago. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> and so, and so my early twenties, you know, you know, I'm hitting, I'm out, of, I'm out of college and I'm hitting the real world and I'm just kind of like, you know, like, you know, I need something to cheer me up a little bit here. And so I hit like that nostalgic phase where I, I started recollecting my old stuff and okay. then it transitioned into, okay, I got what I used to have. Now I remember all these, all these old toy commercials. I always wanted this, but now you know my parents didn't buy it, me, buy it for me. Then I have the money now, so I got the stuff I always wanted, and then it turned into stuff that just caught my eye along the way. And yeah. then I dove into freaking prototypes, dude. I, I recommend. I don't recommend it. <laughs> oh yeah, you've got some some amazing prototypes, and like that's kind of like the next level of uh of collecting right so once you because a lot of these figure lines especially from the late 80s early 90s they were pretty extensive but there's only so many figures and variations of figures that you can buy and then you that and i think that's kind of where you went so you started getting the prototypes and now you you buy a lot of the uh the marketing materials and the signs and it just kind of because you want to keep like I guess I don't want to speak for you, but you just want to keep the collection going and find things that you, like you said earlier, that you didn't even know existed. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're, you're never done. I mean, a collector's work is never done. Um, and because I collect so many, I, my focus isn't just Ghostbusters, it's Ninja Turtles. And then it goes into the random stuff like Crash Dummies. You would have no idea that Crash Dummies has such a vast merchandise uh, line. And, um, and then it goes into the obscure stuff, the obscure stuff of Kenner, like RoboCop or Robin Hood, right. um, like like you mentioned, uh, Police Academy. I mean, you I mean, these toy lines did not last long, you right. know. Right. But because you know, I remember them either because they're based off of movies or cartoons, and I grew up with it. I was that was my era, where the late eighties, early nineties. That's what I was growing up with in, in the in the peak of my uh, childhood, and um, I had a lot of these toys too. So. Um, when I yeah. went back, I'm recollecting all this stuff, and networking has become a big thing. You know, like you mentioned with my Instagram page and um, my Bobby's Toy Chest page on Facebook, uh, I network with a lot of people and going to toy shows, and I'm meeting people that I used to know online, and you know, meeting face to face, and and that's where you get a lot of the good stuff. I mean, I know I have a lot of Ohio buddies, and that's where that's Kenner's backyard. And um, so that's where I get a lot of resources for prototypes and marketing material. And it's just – it's never-ending because there's stuff that, that, that's out there that I could never tell you existed because stuff um, happens behind closed doors. Right. You know, There's almost like a black market for right. – I'm not, I'm not even joking. There's, there's stuff that, that um, you and I could probably never 
you know, even even if we combine our collections and combine our fortune, we could never dream of um, buying some of this stuff. You know, it's just that that that's, you talk you talk about next level. This is beyond level. Right, goes you know, this and, is, and that's the thing we were kind of talking. Uh, we touched on earlier, like the the private. Uh, closeted collectors you see a lot of that with people who have these like amazing collections of like uh, movie props and like you know screen used memorabilia and it's just it's always like some unassuming guy who's like a dentist who has this man cave and lives in you know the middle of nowhere Texas and you're like oh my god you have like you know you've got a you know you have a proton pack you've Winston's proton pack or you have uh, yeah screen used something yeah yeah you know you've got Arnold's rifle from T2, like, why aren't you showing this off? Um, do you think that, like, as a collector, well, let me let me backtrack, because you were talking about eBay a little bit earlier, and I, I'm always fascinated with people's stories about getting back into toys. I remember that, like, I my eBay account, I started in 1998. I was probably in ninth grade, and I, I was collecting a lot of wrestling figures then, Um but I remember going and finding like real Ghostbusters figures and I bought, you know, the original Slimer and the Bad of the Bone Ghost, uh, you know, uh, in mm-hmm. nice, nice packaging, good condition and just getting like, you know, these it was, at the time, 15, 20 bucks. Like, and I thought it was expensive then. Um, how have you seen, you know, the craze kind of grow? Because it feels like toy collecting right now is much more mainstream and a lot bigger than it was maybe five or 10 years ago. I have seen a huge uh, rise in what things go for these days. And just like you said, 15, 20 bucks might have seen like a lot um, back in the day, like early 2000s. Um, and I've heard a lot of stories, too, about people who have prototypes. Even though people uh, have expensive prototypes, it doesn't mean they spent a lot on them. In the early 2000s, people weren't looking for that crap. So, right, you, right. Could, you, you know, you could have gotten stuff, you know, for pennies on the dollar. And – the person themselves might not be rich, and that's one thing you got to remember. Oh, they someone just bought like a two thousand dollar you know prototype figure of you know uh, Robocop or Beetlejuice or Terminator and or wrestling, and it's like holy crap, they must be rich. No, what they did was they they were there at the right time, and what they right. did was they sold something that they got for like twenty five bucks, and they sold it for a grand, and then they right. did the same thing for something else, and now they have play money. You know, <laughs> right, it's, right. It's not it, even their money, you know. It's something that just—it's just there, right? And it's weird too, because like if you didn't know, like if let's say you're just like a kind of your everyday toy collector, maybe you go to some toy shows or comic cons or whatever, and you come across a, like a prototype figure of something like in a in a bin, you might not even know it. If you, you know, you might just think it's some some weird figure or, or something that just wasn't painted, and unless you kind of know what you're looking for, uh, I think yeah. that's one of the most interesting uh, things about collecting is you really kind of. You got to arm yourself with a lot of knowledge before going into to buying something, unless you just have uh, an unbelievable amount of expendable income where it just oh, doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, but like I'm, I'm constantly because like you know, I think we've talked about this before. When you go to flea markets and, and toy shows, like sometimes you can get great deals, and sometimes it's like kind of like eye roll territory with what people are asking for. You know, even like pretty common stuff. Uh, so that's kind of my, my PSA to the collecting world is always like. You know, be knowledgeable. Like, know what you're looking for. Know what it's worth, and and don't uh, don't get ripped off thinking that you got a great deal on something and you just spent like forty bucks for a a common Beetlejuice figure or something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's I, I have a, a great story actually. Uh, when I used to live up in Connecticut, I was born and raised up in Connecticut, and oh, okay. um, 
And I used to go to this place called uh, I forget I what it was called Crystal Crystal Peak Mall. Okay. And and I think it's, it's near it's near Branford and um, near the coast. And um, basically, it's a normal mall, but it has a vintage toy chest uh, toy shop in it. And um, it has a lot of variety. I used to go in there because it was it had a lot of variety of vintage toys there. And um, they had what I think. This is one thing that I wish a lot of vintage toy shops would do. They would have a miscellaneous bin, like a junk bin okay. of, of loose figures where it's like buy two for $4, buy, buy five figures for 10 bucks. You know, the more you buy, the more you save kind of thing. And um, that's how I found a unpainted first shot of <laughs> – and of course, w- w- the things that I get lucky for, it's for stuff that no one cares about. Okay. <laughs> and it's worthless uh, unless you really find that right that, – that one guy that collects uh, James Bond Jr. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that cartoon from back in the day. Oh, dude. The, that was a great toy line. Like that was like, dude. That was one of those like uh, – probably didn't last very long, but like the, I, me- I remember the- – did the car come with a figure? I, I might be mis. No, it didn't. That. It didn't come with a figure, but it was an awesome car, though. Yeah, right? yeah, and the packaging was beautiful, like those big bold colors. Like, yeah, you, you can't really beat that. I was talking to someone else, uh, Christopher McLeod, because he. I was telling you we were doing like a Jurassic Park podcast, and we yeah. were talking about how uh, packaging art is a lost art these days. A hundred percent. There's, there's the. It, it breaks my heart because the you know as far as modern figure collecting it goes. Like the new Jurassic World line is pretty good as far as like a a modern you know line of figures, oh, but absolutely. But you know all the packaging is just kind of it's not it's not what it's you half, want. It, just say it, it's half assed. It's <laughs> half assed, and the you know the, the the big dinosaurs aren't even behind you know plastic bubbles, and uh, the vehicles are kind of in you know strapped in with plastic, and uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's half a box. It's, it's opened, you right. know, basically. Right. And, um, it, yeah, but you're right. Either it's, um, especially I've seen it with uh, newer Power Ranger toys, like the Zords. Yep. Um, before you had this awesome artwork, you know, or blow up a picture of the toy on the front with this awesome, like, logos and, and bolts and, you know, lightning bolts and um, graphics and stuff. And But nowadays I, I went by Walmart and I saw the, these Zords, mm-hmm. and the entire front of the box is clear cellophane. Yep. I'm like – it's okay. weird. You you would think like <clears throat> from a marketing perspective and, and the way that like kind of people's minds work that um, it's just like a lost art. Like you said, like you would think that maybe commissioning original artwork for these uh, for the packaging would be part of the toy buying experience. Maybe they have a ton of research uh, like research that says like uh, nobody gives a fuck or something. But uh, mm. for for my money, uh, I want to get something with some awesome original artwork, and it's usually because the old stuff. Like we were talking yesterday about the uh, the real Ghostbusters, uh, the Fright Features figures. The yep. uh, the artwork uh, on the cards are just it's so fun, and like just seeing that, not even looking at the toy, just looking at the packaging of the toy, brings me right back to the aisles of Toys R Us in 1988 or 1989. Um, and I don't know if kids 20 years from now are going to be like. You know, remember that Zord that was just falling out of the box or had a cracked plastic window and, you know. You know, I, I weep for the future because I don't think they're going to have the same kind of feeling that we have when we go back. We look back at these those old boxes because, right. I mean, not to mention the, the box art, but also just the, the sheer cheapness of these toys. Mm-hmm. Like with the Zords and with Playmates Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. I mean, when was the last time you saw 
a toy come with a sticker kit. Right. Yeah. I mean, everything is just like the, the, the base color is, you know, is like, let's say like there's a red Zord. The plastic is red. That's it. Right. Done deal. You know, right. and it's there's no detail. There's no paint. There's no stickers. I'm like, really? What the right. hell is this? There's no yeah. – I don't know. And it's weird too because some of the stuff that you see on the shelves that might be a little bit more of a premium product, maybe like a Star Wars Black Series, um, yeah. you, you still see a lot of um, quality control issues with those types of figures. And then they just pile up on the shelves. It feels like nobody's actually buying them. Um, it's just kind of based on observation. Like I, like you know, I know Hasbro's reporting losses last quarter, and that a lot of that has to do with Star Wars. Um, yeah. And I, but I really do think like uh, the Jurassic World line that Mattel has out right now is one of the better modern figure lines that I've seen in a long time. Much better than what Hasbro did a couple of years ago, at least. To 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 agree with you, this is how I agree with you with the Jurassic World uh, two toys. Because I didn't really care for the Jurassic One World uh, toys right. uh, that, that Hasbro did two years ago. Um, between the packaging and the toys themselves, I just didn't care for them. But uh, what Mattel has done this past year, um, I put those toys on the same shelf as the original Kenner toys. Okay. Because to me, they hold up true to, to the point where I feel like I can put them together. Right. You know? And I love the detail. I love the little bit of action that you can do with them. Um, you press a, you press basically you push onto their back and like the car, the Carnosaurus, uh, or Carnotaurus, uh, whatever his name is. Um, uh, you know, his, his, his whole head flips forward and his, mm-hmm. his jaw, his jaw bites mm-hmm. or with the Stegosaurus, you push on one of his fins mm-hmm. and his tail whips. It's just an awesome little addition. Um, it's a cool feature. And then like the, um, the packaging on the Indoraptor is really great. Uh, it's a cool looking figure. And then the Mosasaurus. Uh, you know the the you know the shark like creature. Oh yeah, from, the, from, the sea creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the sea creature. Uh, that that's like uh, that feels like one of the old Kenner toys. It's rubber and it's very detailed, yep. and they just did a good job with it. There's a ton of variety, um, and then you've got all the little figures that come with you know smaller dinosaurs or whatever. Uh, it's just a. I, I'll say this: I've been we're Ghostbusters fans. Uh, the Maddie Collector line from Mattel was was. Pretty good. I mean, I, I really enjoyed collecting those figures, but that was still more of a premium product. Uh, dismissing all thoughts and opinions about the last Ghostbusters movie, just from the toy line in general, like that was a shitty line of figures. Like that was a botched. <laughs> that just wasn't good, dude. Dude, the, they were on clearance before the movie was done in its theater to run. Right, right. And like even like forget the the Ghostbusters. Just like looking at the ghost figures, it, it just felt kind of like uninspired, and it bummed me out. Oh, because absolutely. I thought you know what Mattel did with the Maddie Collector line was overall pretty good. Dude, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. Um, I love the Maddie Collector line. Uh, it's for one thing, they, they did like a combo. You got a Ghostbuster with a ghost, and just right. like kind of, kind of like what Kenner did. I mean, that right. was great. And I thought that the um, the reason why I love the Manny Collector line, uh, besides the detail, um, it's that I I can't stand. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not speaking for everyone, but I can't stand the Diamond Select figures um, okay. of Ghostbusters. I can't okay. do it. Um, the Diamond Select figures are bigger. And you would think that there would be more detail, but I think there's right. too much. De- there's too much detail. I can't handle that chest, torso articulation. 
Yeah, that's kind of a common complaint with with Diamond Select in general. They've got the the weird chest. Uh, it, it's just kind of like a gash in the middle of the figure's chest. Exactly. It's kind, of, it's kind of weird, yeah. But what bothers me the most between um, – I think Mattel did better head sculpts personally. Um, I, I think Ray is a little bit better in Diamond Select and Vigo is a little bit better in Diamond Select. But the rest of them, I'm happy with the Mattel's head, head sculpts. But th- at the same time, though, you can't tell me that Mattel – um, who did a did a smaller scale figure? You can't tell me that Diamond Select can't do the same thing as far as translucent translucent pieces. Right. Some I mean, of the are paint jobs t- are are kind of kind of out there. I mean, even Egon had even with those small glasses. They had Egon's Mattel glasses had lenses for God's sake. Right. Right. The the wands. The, the, the I mean the, the the proton streams and the hoses. The leg hoses all translucent. Mm-hmm. You know, my biggest and complaint, they, it, my biggest uh, complaint about the Diamond Select figures is they don't stand up. You can't. I mean, no, you, even don't. on they don't. <laughs> even on even on the stands, they don't really stand up. They don't. Uh, they don't. And it's I, I, frustrating. Listen, you've seen. Here's here's my. There's the thing. I have a display in my Ghostbuster room. I have a Ghostbuster room. You know, I have a house full of collectibles, but there's one room that's pretty much just Ghostbusters. And this is how I display my uh, Ghostbusters room. This is my centerpiece. I love Diamond Select for their uh, diorama, okay? Mm-hmm. For the rooftop diorama. I have the rooftop diorama with Mattel Ghostbusters. That's a good idea. Because I, I think the scaling is better, in my opinion. Right. The, the rooftop is big. It looks, it looks bigger with those smaller Mattel figures. Right. And then I have NECA. Gozer and Terror Dogs. On okay, there. so it's like a combo. You're you're taking the best of, of what the lines had to offer. Absolutely, everyone has has something to offer the franchise. I just don't agree with everything that they do. Right. Yeah. As far as the the la- the, I've had the um, the Diamond Select figures uh, multiple times. Like I'm such a weirdo. Like I'll buy them all, then I'll get sick of them and sell them, and then rebuy them. It's just weird collector stuff. But uh, <laughs> I I thought the Terror Dogs that. That Diamond selected were okay. They're not as good as the NECA ones, obviously. Oh no, no, um, you know, not really even close. But um, yeah, as far as the new line, I haven't gotten any of the new ones. I think the Vigo looks pretty good from what I've seen. Uh, the Janosch with Baby Oscar, like those are kind of fun things that you know we've never had a Janosch figure, so I'm gonna get a Janosch figure. But um, I'm interested in what your thoughts are on as we build up to the the reason why you're on tonight. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Three hours later, I'm like, okay, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Tell me about Ewok Village. Uh, so uh, what do you think of the, the images you've seen of the new real Ghostbusters figures that Diamond Select's doing? Uh, I have mixed feelings. Um, I didn't care for how – because we've only seen photos of them. Some, some things might change between now and uh, the release maybe. Right. But – I love Slimer's face, okay, but I hate that he still has hulking arms like the movie version did. Okay, like like Slimer's right. arms, movie and cartoon, he has very frail, scrawny arms. Right, you know right. the arms on that Slimer, that Diamond Select Slimer, are pretty pretty out there. Yeah, but um, but I'm just being really picky here because I'm some people are like, I mean, here's the, anybody who's gonna listen to this like. This is not for the non like this is for the hardcore toy fan. This is we're getting yes. in deep right now. 
Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are people here that will – there are people out there that collect, and they, they will do anything to buy anything that says Ghostbusters or whatever line they collect. They're, they're yeah. happy to have it in their collection and more power to them. Me, I have to be a little more critical or um, you know, picky is because I hope someday someone listens to this and be like, you know what? I expect more from you kind of thing. <laughs> okay. You know, like if Diamond Select is listening, you know, you guys are doing great, but there's, there's, there's almost like there's a few things that you just, you know, just kind of do a little bit of a tweak here or there or playmates. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I hate how there's always so many freaking Ninja Turtle gimmick toys. Yeah. But we can't have more villain characters made, you know? Right, right. Yeah. So it's hard to like – so I kind of compare it to movies. Like the reason why people are so hard on the DC movies uh, – is because we we watch these Marvel movies and we see what can be done. So exactly. Like, if you if you look at toys, like look at what NECA's doing. Like they're killing it with everything they do with the properties they have. They're pretty much putting out affordable, really well done figures. Like all the you know all the NECA Ultimate figures, the the Ninja Turtles figures they're doing. Like they're showing that you can have a a price point that's affordable and have a really good looking toy. You don't have to have a $200 hot toy to have something that looks really great. Um, Absolutely. So you get a little bit bummed out when you go to the store and you get excited about that new Peter Venkman figure and, you know, his face is, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever they did with that. It's pretty weird. Looking. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So to go back to Diamond Select, I mean, I'm excited that um, Real Ghostbusters is making a comeback, but honestly, I'm not that excited because I don't think it's going to go any further than that. I, I think we're going to get the four or five figures, and I think they're going to be done with it. I don't know if Wave 3 is going to come out. where Because here's the thing. I want more villains that Kenner didn't give us. You know right. what I mean? Like if the, gonna, the ones from the show, basically. Absolutely, absolutely. I've had, I've had firsthand contact with people that worked on, on, at Kenner and at Deke. Uh, and they basically didn't talk to each other, basically. And so it's a shame because Kenner has a thing about they, they've always been a habit had a thing like with Star Wars where they did things that were not in the movie mm-hmm. but they their mentality was it's there just just right off camera you know right 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 yeah I've which read is that cool before. which is cool it's, right. it's an expansion of the line and the idea and the, and, the, and the universe of it which is cool and I'm cool with whatever Kenner did as far as figures go like the way with the haunted humans or whatever or the monster line mm-hmm. but you can't you can't tell me that um, I know it takes a long time between, per, you know, creating a, a toy, the concept, to actually making it. Right. But, but still, Ghostbusters was out for seven years. So even though you didn't, you, you didn't talk with Deke to get a heads up on what's going to be in the cartoon, you can't tell me that once the Boogeyman aired on Saturday morning cartoons, or the Sandman, or, or the Sam, Sam Hain, yeah. Sam, Sam Hain. You can't tell me that it wouldn't have been a good idea to make a figure, even though it would be two out two years later down the line. You know, right? I mean, come on, kids would have wanted. So. That. And, and I'm kind of, I'm I've got mixed feelings about it because you know, part, to me, part of the charm uh, of of the original Kenner line is that it's just kind of its own thing. And like to mm-hmm. me, I love when I see like artwork uh, depicted uh, based on the Kenner line um, of yep. of those ghosts, like you know, Granny Ghost or. Bad to the Bone or Tombstone Tackle or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's why I've always been an advocate for, you know, when Mattel was doing the Masters of the Universe classics, 
to me, it felt like such a no-brainer to try to do the same thing with real Ghostbusters, but also incorporate, you know, all the additional ghosts and monsters from the show that we didn't see in the original line. To me, now, again, I say that knowing that there are weird legal and licensing things that could get in the way of that. But do you remember near the end of the Maddie run, they announced they were going to do a real Ghostbusters line and it just never happened. I was frustrated by that. I don't, I I never heard that uh, announcement, but Maddie lost me with their very dumb uh, Ecto one ad. Um, Let's we've, We've touched on it like here and there on the podcast over the years, um, but I don't know if we've ever gone in depth. Yeah, tell tell me your thoughts on. I'm, okay, so I, they had a thing where it's like, okay, um, we want to do an Ecto One car for the many many uh, movie figures, and um, it'll be electronic. It'll do all these cool things that it'll you really know. Really roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, um, but the problem is, you know, we're not sure. That basically, they were trying to say they weren't confident it would sell. Give right. me a freaking break. Right, right. And so they wanted people to pre-order it, and if it hit the certain mark. Kind of like what they Hasbro just did with the sail barge for uh, uh, Star Wars, yep. which did actually work that time. But with Maddie, they, you know, I pre-ordered, I, I contributed because otherwise it wasn't going to happen. Right. And um, they didn't hit the mark, and they didn't do it. But then, like two months later, this is what really aggravated me. Two months later, I go to Toys R Us, and I buy a Mattel. Uh, 60s version of the Batmobile. Oh yeah, I have that. Yep. I same, same fucking scale. All same right. Same company. Same company for twenty five, thirty dollars. I forget what it was, but it was it was affordable. It was yep. a hollow shell on wheels. Yep. And you know, I'll spend the extra forty bucks if it'll come with electronics. You know, if if this was an Ecto one, right. it's the same damn scale. And you can't tell me that you can even if let's put it this way. I would have bought the Ecto-1 even if it didn't have electronics. Right. I I think – so I have a theory about this. So if you remember, like they announced it, I think at San Diego Comic-Con. What was that guy's name? The Toy Guru, Scott, whatever his name was? Yeah, the Toy Guru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They announced it at at San Diego Comic-Con and they said this is going to be a crowdfunding campaign and we're going to give everybody two months to get their pre-orders in. And then like a couple days later, they reduced the time frame – like substantially to to like less than 20 days or something. And my theory has always been that they knew like like when companies do this kind of stuff, like when Hasbro did their crowdfunding for the sale barge, like they had to have some sort of they had to have data telling them that more than likely they were going to hit that number. Yeah. Uh which they ended up almost doubling it. Um I feel like Mattel did that as a way to kill the line and be like, hey, we want to keep going, but there's not enough support for it. So therefore, we're just not going to make any more Maddie Collector figures. Yeah, they couldn't even give us a, they couldn't even give us a prototype. They gave us a freaking piece of cardboard. Yeah, it was so weird. I remember being so bummed about that because I had been a supporter of the line. Like I had the PKE meter um, and I had, you know, I'd been ordering uh, the figures every month. Uh and it got to the point where they were starting to do a lot of like, you know, they did, you know, Peter Ray and Egon, and then it was like courtroom Peter Ray and Egon, and then lab coat. So they were kind of doing the same thing where uh, maybe they thought, you know, they just had to keep releasing different versions of uh, 
of the actual Ghostbusters to keep keep the sales up or whatever. But I, that always rubbed me the wrong way because I completely agree with you. They could have done a sixty-five or seventy-dollar Ecto One and put it in stores, and I think that uh, it would have sold just fine. It would have, even if it was just Toys R Us. I yeah. mean, I mean, who cares? It, it would have sold, but. I mean, the real uh, Ghostbusters, even though they did even another dumb decision, in my opinion, the retro-style real Ghostbusters figures, the Migos style. The um, Migos, yeah. Yeah, even though I didn't like those, and in my head I was like, why are you doing a 1970s style action figure for a line that was popular? You know, you know where I'm going with that. Uh, oh, yeah. But those sold really well. Like, those became hard to find at some point in Toys R Us. You know, I I love them for I love I love and hate them for two reasons. I love them because um, you know if if they were because they were Kenner was supposed to come out with something like that, and they okay. didn't. Okay. So it's kind of like nice to have something, but they, 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 were, they were supposed to be twelve inch scale, kind of like Star Wars dolls. Okay. But with clothing um, for the jumpsuits, what bugs me, and this goes back to like Playmates, uh, with like they give us all this turtle crap, gimmick crap, but they don't give us actual villains. Right. Um, so it's like missing the mark a little bit there. What rubs me the wrong way is that they gave movie version proton packs with the with the cartoon color scheme. Yep. I mean, just wh- weird what, stuff. Wh- like what that. happened? What? What? Why? It, it's weird stuff, and, and that's the like, um, you know, there's a lot of controversy about Star Wars right now, and in even. Uh, like removing yourself from the movies, like the world of Star Wars collecting is pretty intense. People are getting yeah. very opinionated. Um, oh yeah. Say what you want. Like you feel like the people that work at Hasbro are probably Star Wars fans or uh, whoever's working on the line has a, a deep uh, familiarity with, with, you know, what the characters well, look like, what the characters accessories are. There's research being done. It, the, a lot of the times with Mattel, uh, in that that Ghostbusters line, you kind of got the idea. Like, did, does anybody pay attention and know what's going on here? You're absolutely right. I mean, it's funny because it's the best comparison. I and mean, you see, like the Black series, or you even see like the, even the smaller versions of the normal um, uh, figures, mm-hmm. the, the three three and three quarter inch uh, figures, where even though there might be a lack of paint, but the, all the all the sculpting is there, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you see this other stuff, and it's like, why can't we have the same over here? You know. Yeah. And it's, I mean, say what you want about, I mean, obviously, uh, like you said, Star Wars is very opinionated, but from a toy perspective, they give you every character under the sun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I was just reading today, people were complaining because uh, there's a couple new Black Series exclusives coming out based on like very minor mm-hmm. characters from uh, from Solo. And people are, you know, mm-hmm. mad because they're saying, well, we haven't gotten, you know, this figure from the original mm-hmm. trilogy yet or whatever. Um but if you're a hardcore collector and you're a completist, like I, I never tend to complain about, you know, why are they making this figure and not that figure? Like I'm just glad that they're make they're continuing the line because like again, when you go to the store, a lot, especially with like the Rogue One line of the Black Series, and and you see this stuff pile up and sit and then goes on deep discount, and it makes me worry. Like, man, are they going to be able to continue this line because? Uh, I know they're charging twenty bucks a pop, but I I don't remember the last time I paid twenty dollars for a Black Series figure. I got the entire Solo line for five dollars a piece because Target was making mistakes in their inventory. <laughs> no, it's it, 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 I have that feeling too sometimes when I see things you know early on the clearance aisle or 
um, literally just like a pile of toys off, you know, they're falling off the racks, off the hooks, and no one's like, no employee is paying close attention and making everything look nice. And because it's really kind of like, you know, especially for if you're just a normal toy buyer, mm-hmm. you know, you see that mess, you keep on walking almost, you know, if you're a parent. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you're not going to look at, you're not going to dig through all that crap. No. It's no. so especially at Walmart and Target, I mean, it's like, have some pride in your work for God's sake. Um, you're trying <laughs> yeah. to sell, you're trying, you're trying to sell this stuff. You, I mean, you're not going to sell a car with, with it on its side. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. But to, to re to put my final thoughts in, uh, cause we went off on an awesome tangent, but <laughs> I want, I wanted to make sure I, I had this out there with the diamond select, uh, ghost, real ghostbusters. Um, I like the head skulls for Ray and Peter, I don't like the ones for Winston and Egon. They look, the they look um, almost like anime versions of themselves. Okay, um, that's interesting. Yeah, um, and I don't like the jumpsuits, the bodies, because they. I don't know if they're a direct movie swap. You know, they're just repainted. But they look like it because if you noticed, uh, the Ray figure that they displayed is not short and pudgy. And uh, exactly. you can see the name tags painted over from the from the movie figures, which could just be for for just the the um, display for right. for Comic Con. Right. Could be, but still, so. but still though, for me, that's too much detail for a cartoon figure. Right. For for me, I mean, uh, people like I said, some people are like, "What are you talking about? Well, how can you say anything negative? We should be gl- grateful that there's anything real Ghostbusters out there." And it's like, I, I hear you, but at the same time though, it's 2018. I have a little more attention to detail instead of being so cheap and just giving me the movie version. Cause I can take the movie version and repaint it myself, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And it's funny. Me. It's no, and I agree. I, I think like, um, remember, uh, a couple years ago, Walmart had the exclusive teenage mutant Ninja Turtles figures that were like based on secret of the use. They came in like the, the pretty nice. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about and yeah. I didn't buy them. I didn't yeah. buy them. They came, I'm, I'm like, glad I didn't. I they came. It. They came in really nice window packaging. Yeah. Um, and and the fig, but the figures were kind of like whatever looking. Like they, you know, they were clearly Ninja Turtles, and and they somewhat resembled what you saw in the movie. But somebody had a like a one to one comparison shot between those and and the uh, the new NECA figures from you know Comic Con this year. The, oh, night and day. Night and and day. It, it's like you're you're looking at two action figures that even though. Uh, the NECA figures are uh, a Comic-Con exclusive and you can only get them in a box set. It's basically the same price point, a $25, $30 figure. And you're looking at one which looks like a work of art and the other is like a mass-produced, you know, toy factory kind of thing. Well, there's no paint on those damn things, uh, the ones that were at Walmart. Um, There's no paint. It's the same thing that Playmates has been doing for a long time is just basically – Okay, this this figure is mostly green, so we're gonna make sure the injection mold uh, plastic is green, and yeah. we're gonna paint the eyes, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, and it and sucks. Hopefully, and hopefully they're looking at you and not looking to the side. You know, <laughs> like no, most of the time they're they're. It's so hard to find those figures with with the eyes looking uh, <laughs> any other way other than cross-eyed or whatever. Um, right. I want before we're about to move on, but, but I wanted to ask you about this. We were talking earlier about stuff that you never knew existed. Um, as far as like toys and, and, you know, finding prototypes and, uh, you know, I saw you posting today, you got some, uh, press kits from Swamp yep. Thing and Robin Hood and just some really cool stuff. By the way, um, 
if anybody wants to check out uh, your stuff, I know you're at, is it Bobby? Well, go ahead and tell, tell the people. You tell the people where they can find you because you're going to be able to do it better than I can. My people, my followers. Yes. Come hither. Come look <laughs> at my Robin Hood prototypes. <laughs> um, anyone who has Instagram, and if you don't, I recommend that you get it. Um, it it's a, it's honestly a cool networking uh, place if you for collectors. Um, I only I only um, buy on eBay, but I buy and sell through Facebook and um, Instagram. It's just a, it's a it's just a better experience if you ask me. Yeah. Um, and smoother. Um, uh, my Instagram uh, name is at. Bobby underscore eighties and lowercase B uh, some bastard uh, has uppercase B Bobby eighties. I don't know who he is, but mm-hmm. he beat me to it. So I, well, we're going <laughs> to take, we're going to take care of that. We break, uh, we break legs around here. <laughs> and, uh, if you're interested, uh, on Facebook, you can find me at Bobby's toy chest. Um, I, I try to, um, share the same photos for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. but Instagram is where I focus, like my main focus, Bobby's toy chest is where I is where my place to show things, but I also go on a little like kind of like what we're doing here. We're talking. I pose a lot of questions. I also vent a little bit, uh, collectors frustrations. And uh, it's 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 comforting to know that other people are feeling the same thing sometimes and um, are also or just showing off. Say, hey, listen, this is what I got. Or, hey, guess what? This is what's coming out. I can't wait to see it kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, you get two different experiences of the Bobby experience uh, from Instagram and Facebook. Uh, everybody needs the Bobby experience. I'll put that out there because uh, you you post you post great great content. Um, Thank you. Content is king. Uh, no, yeah, uh, your Instagram is. I think that's where I probably first uh, uh, knew about you on Instagram, and then joined up on on Bobby's Toy Chest on Facebook. Um, what I was going to ask you about is uh, a buddy. Uh, you might know Adam Marish. I don't know. He's part. He's a big collector, and he's part of the uh, the Ghostbusters the na- community. The name. The name rings a bell. Um, I'm not sure. I think is Ghostbusters his main focus or Ghostbusters and Aliens are, are his main two things. But he's okay. got a, he's got he bought um he's a he's a friend of ours and he's he's a you know a known person in the Ghostbusters community. He's been doing it for a long time. He's building an Ecto one right now. Uh, he's been doing a lot of the high profile auction stuff. So he bought um, Dan Aykroyd's screen used uh, jumpsuit from Ghostbusters two. This year, oh, wow. and he also wow. bought the, um, the. I think the coolest thing he owns is the, uh, the tripod traps from the jewelry store scene in Ghostbusters. Nice, uh, nice. Um, so yeah, he, he's got some really good stuff. But he posted the other day. He he picked up a piece of concept art from Kenner for a series that never happened, and I'm sure there's a lot of this stuff floating around. Um, but it was for young Ghostbusters. Yes, I saw. Um, I saw that. Um, he got it from Joe O'Brien. Um, he's not another. He's got like an art of the art of uh, Kenner or art of RGB, um, and awesome dude. And he's got so much stuff that is. Uh, he's one of those nice people that he actually shows what he has. Right. And so, um, yeah, uh, it's just a. If anyone, uh, he's also on Instagram, the art of RGB. If you're into Kenner and, and Ghostbusters, uh, I definitely recommend seeing him. But yeah. Um, I saw I saw that post that Adam got that. It's a great piece. Yeah, it's very cool, and it, it kind of makes you wonder about because um, uh, you know we're about to talk about the real Ghostbusters pilot, uh, which you found uh, the the original film reel for, and 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 we covered uh, in great detail in Ghostbusters Day. Uh, it makes you wonder about all the stuff that's floating out there. That like obviously we never got a line of young Ghostbusters, but man, when I saw that, my wheels started turning. 
<laughs> it's it's it, I, I was able to get another um joe doesn't sell a lot of things and when he does you know it, you gotta jump on it when he does i was able to get one of those uh concept boards from kenner from him and it was basically an accessory uh, that they, they never made um basically it was like an air pump uh backpack okay for for the for the regular figurines the regular three and three quarter uh figures okay it's an accessory um where it has like a, a air hose connected to a ghost trap. Oh, and wow. so it has air pump on the back. You basically press the air pump and it would either open or close the trap basically. Okay. So cool. it was basically a minute, a miniature version of the role playing ghost trap. That is very cool. I like that. So, um, but yeah, it's crazy because the only way to know about this stuff is to have collectors, be like, look what I found, and there's a lot that don't do that. A lot of right. the stuff is is out there that you and I will never ever see, right. and it's sad. It's sad. I, th- I think for a long time with real Ghostbusters, like I think when you first get into collecting the RGB stuff, you learn the first thing you learn about is Egon's Laboratory. Um, oh my god! And uh, it's kind of one of those things. Like I remember the fr- when I first heard about it. I don't. This was probably on a message board, you know, 15 years ago, and it's like, wait a minute, what is it? It wasn't made, and and then I start thinking in my head. I'm like, no, I had that, and I'm like, no, that was the Swamp Thing Laboratory, like, <laughs> you know, that kind of deal. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, if, if it's a weird, wild world, uh, and I'm sure we can go on for hours about it, but I want to talk to you about this real Ghostbusters pilot. So, let's catch people up before. Um, before we, yeah, before we go any further, the real Ghostbusters debuted in 1987. Is that correct? Uh, it, it, the, the cartoon debuted in, in fall of 86. Okay, fall of 86. The toys didn't come out until spring or summer of 87. Okay. Um, this pilot, right? So it's like basically uh, like a four-minute sizzle reel that was the first piece of production made you uh, was it used to sell the show to syndication like tell me the history of what um by the way what we're talking about is uh you uh rob found the original film reel of the real mm-hmm. ghostbusters pilot and you took it upon yourself uh, nobody asked you to do this nobody paid you to do this you took it you restored it frame by frame into glorious high definition and it debuted on Ghostbusters.com on Ghostbusters Day this year. So that's kind of the finish line. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. What, for those who don't know, what was the sizzle reel? Why does it exist? So as soon as, um, no one knew that Ghostbusters the movie back in 84 was going to be the massive hit it was going to be, the massive blockbuster that it became. Right. And... Because of that, they weren't ready for merchandise. They thought it was just going to be another summer movie and then move on. Um, but Didn't as soon they learn as they... their lesson from Star Wars? <laughs> but you know what? That's Star Wars, though. I mean, right. it, it, if, you, if you did that for every movie, you'd have a crap load of crap in the clearance aisles. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it, it's weird because if you notice, uh, they did nothing for Ghostbusters 1 until they, like 85 where they came out with some T-shirts and some stickers and some hats, right? Yeah. Um, but they went all out for Ghostbusters 2, merchandise-wise. Oh, it's great. Uh, That's, you I can mean, find a lot of that stuff for pretty cheap because there's so much You of can. It. You can. And that honestly, when it comes to uh, – I'll, I'll get back to Ghostbusters uh, pilot in two seconds. But 
the the biggest thing about collecting for me right now is that I'm at the point where I'm done locally, like USA. I'm done. Um, I find a few miscellaneous things here and there, but majority of real Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 merchandise, the late 80s, early 90s merchandise, is all in the UK. I don't know who was in charge of marketing back then, but they got all the good stuff. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I bought a, um, I bought one of the Slimer uh, Ghostbusters 2 uh, fanny packs, and it came from the UK. That yes. Was pretty, that was yes. maybe like a year ago. Yeah, I got the fanny pack. I got this, like, it's basically the same artwork. It's There's a backpack, a fanny pack, and a pencil case with a zipper right. on it. And we could, I, we could talk all day about that kind of stuff. I mean, I have a room, I have a shelf full of this stuff, and I'm still, I have things coming in right now from the UK. And I, I'll tell you that um, I'll never get that money back. I pay on shipping. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It, it, it it's, does. It's almost like it might be worth it just to go over there with a couple empty suitcases for a week. Because- <laughs> And just and just go. Uh, we, we know a guy who does that. He makes like a annual trip to Japan just to buy Godzilla merchandise. Um, but that's another tangent. We don't need. That's to go a on. whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I do have collector friends that are in the UK, and they're kind enough, more than kind enough, to um, make a pile for me because they come across a lot of stuff, you know, often enough that they're more than gracious enough to, you know, have my crap lay in the corner of their room until I'm ready to get it, get it, you know, have it all shipped. Right. So. That's one nice thing that um, for collectors that if you that's one w- workaround you know instead of spending shipping on twenty items you can spend it on one item you know right. but um to backtrack the whole reason that you're having me on this show now is because of this restoration so um through my collecting you know like I said in this little mini documentary that we made just to explain to people the importance of this um I come across people that. They know me for what I collect, and they sometimes approach me, saying, "Hey, Rob, look at this Ghostbuster thing. I, you know, I don't know if you already have it or not, but it's it's you have first picks if you want it." And majority of the time, it's all miscellaneous, you know, common stuff, and it's like I I appreciate it, but I already have it. But then every once in a while, a few gems be like, "Holy crap! I didn't even know that existed. I had no idea." And um, we make a deal, and it's a done deal. Now, same thing happened. Uh, back in August or July of last year where um, same thing, just ra- as a random sunny day. And this guy um, messaged me saying, Hey Rob, I just came back from this uh, hall and I got a bunch of Ghostbusters marketing stuff. And um, I know you love Ghostbusters and you know, we've had a lot of good deals in the past. I'm going to give you first dibs on this. And I'm like, okay, send me some pictures and some prices and let's, uh, you know, see what you got. Right. And holy crap, the the so to backtrack a little more, this guy um, was on OfferUp.com just to find some Maddie collector toys, you know, for Ghostbusters, and some local seller was like selling them, and he went there locally to their house to buy them and pick them up and save on shipping, and he's looking around and he sees all this Ghostbuster merchandise, like marketing merchandise from the eighties. And he's like, oh, that's nice. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's for sale too. We just haven't posted it yet. And he's like, oh, I'll buy it. Oh, you know how much? And he must have got it for a steal because even I got it from him from a steal. And he's and he's making money. Okay. So it's it was it was just awesome all around. So he gets all these like press kits for Ghostbusters one and two, the original thirty five millimeter uh, film trailers for both movies. Okay. Um, which is awesome. Um, 
some of the stuff is in German, you know, and I, don't, I, I, I try to get the guy to go back and get the full story. But basically it was a young couple in their early 30s, late 20s, and they were trying to get rent money. And I have no idea of how they acquire all this cool stuff, right. whether whether it was a, a lot of stuff is honestly from an estate sale. You know, people go to these uh, people that die and they have an estate sale kind of thing. Right. Um, but regardless, this guy was able to get all this stuff for a good price and – just because he knew me as a Ghostbuster, Ghostbuster guy, he's like, hey, Rob, you know, uh, here you go. Um, and so I basically cherry-picked it. I left some stuff for other people to get that I wasn't really interested in. Uh, but um, I see this film can, and I'm like, what the hell is that? And I, I asked all these questions, and basically all it said was 1986 Ghostbusters. And um, it was a film reel, 16 millimeter, and it said Deke on it. Right. And so right, right, right there you, you – your brain probably says, okay, this might have something to do with real Ghostbusters. Like, <laughs> I've been doing this long enough to know 1986, you see Deke, like, this is probably not yeah. related to the movie. It didn't even say real on it. It just said Ghostbusters. And, okay. But the, because, it said, because it said Deke on it, I'm like, okay. Um, at the time, though, I didn't think too much of it. You know, it was just like, to me, it would have been a cool conversational piece. You know, I told him, listen, I don't have a projector and projectors are expensive and I'll probably end up ruining it, you know, trying to play it. <laughs> right, right. You know, either the, I have no idea if the film was brittle or anything or my, my biggest fear is like, you know, you try to play things on, you've seen it in movies where so, someone um, is playing something on a projector and the light bulb burns the film literally. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the thing or, goes flying. Yeah. So it's like, I really don't want to do that. And I tried re- researching uh, 16 millimeter projectors um, the shipping on them is ridiculous because they're so freaking heavy. And even though they're kind of small, they're just heavy. And then, then it's all this research about, uh, you know, everyone is selling one, but they don't work. And then it's like, okay, how I fix it, you know, and then you try and track down repair parts. You know, it's like, it's a, it's a nightmare. So I told this guy, listen, I don't have a projector. It's going to be a conversational piece gathering dust on my shelf. And so we negotiate a reasonable price for it. And I buy – I basically make a pile bundle and then I buy all this, all this cool stuff. And so I make sure that he packs it well, prior, you know, two-day priority. I get it in the mail on a Saturday and I make sure I'm home to sign for it. And I get it in the mail and I open it up and I gently reveal the film you know, to like the lamplight. Right. Um, at that time though, I had – the only thing I knew about the um, Ghostbusters pilot – was that it was the first piece that sold the franchise, basically. Right. So they created, at the time, it was 1985. Ghostbusters movie, you know, had a nice run in 84. They were like, oh, crap, we have no merchandise, you know, to sell this stuff. But, the, you know, there's still, like, a craving for... We could, there's a lot of money to be made still. Mm-hmm. So they said, okay, let's we're going to do a cartoon. Let's try to do a cartoon. So... They gather up this crew at Deke and they say, "Hey, do us a do us give us a concept, give us an idea of what it could be." So they do like a three and a half minute concept, and all they had to do, all they had was the movie to base off of. So that's why the tan jumpsuits are still in this in this cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why Slimer is still kind of evil, and Stay Puff is still kind of like you know the baddie. Right. Um, Not to interrupt, but one thing that's really um, interesting about it is that. Um, a lot of what you do say uh, see in the in the pilot, like a lot of times when you see this kind of stuff, even the pilot for like a regular TV show, by the time it actually gets picked up and gets rolling, uh, it changes pretty significantly. But when you yeah. watch this, especially 
in the uh, you know the updated you know HD kind of colors, uh, it's pretty you know besides the couple things you just named, it's not that far off from what we ended up getting with Rogue Ghostbusters. It's not, and you know what? I, I think it's because they just uh, they got it right the first time, you know. Right, which is um, really rare. <laughs> but but you know a lot of times too though uh, pilots um, become the first episode that air in syndication right you know uh, like um, let's say MacGyver you know the, the the first episode is called the pilot right you right. know so um, it wasn't until like, I got older that I realized what that meant right um, but no this thing was just an internal piece to sell the concept of the idea of a real Ghostbusters cartoon and so. Because there's a lot of changes to be made, that's probably why they didn't really use it. Plus, it's, you know, it's it's too short to be an episode, right? And it's too and it's too long to be an intro. You know, when was the last time you saw a four minute intro to a cartoon? So, right, right. <laughs> uh, but it is cool to see that that's where they got a lot of the ideas for the thirty second intro for mm-hmm. the cartoon. Now, um, where um, so obviously. We don't know. Well, you you probably have some information about um, where the real, like where the original film ended up. Like we don't know how it got into these, you know, the young couple's box of stuff. But yeah. there, is there any kind of paper trail, uh, you know, from that time? There's uh, only when it was still in the hands of um, of Deke. I have a, a sticky note. Well, here's the thing. What I have. And what Deke used to do is they would do the storyboards here in the States. They would send over the script and the storyboards over to Japan to the studio that did the animation. That's where they do the drawings and the animation, and then they, they would send it back in a film format right. back to Deke in, in California. And then, then that's where they would do all the audio and the music and the syncing up and stuff like that. Um, they sent back a non-audioed it's just a silent film of what they came up with and of the concept and so what i have i still have the actual mailing envelope that has japanese writing on it so that's so the I, one that's the that's one. the one that's the one okay i mean there's there i mean i'm not saying that they they didn't dub it or make copies of it in other formats but this is the original one that came from the studio in japan Right, and so, cool. and so they. I have the the mailing uh, packet that it came in, and I have a employee written sticky note that says, uh, "Kim, send this film reel and this audio track to um, uh, AP Photos, um, and uh, have them sync it up." For a presentation on Friday. Okay. Now AP is still around these days. They do a lot. They're, they're, they do. They have a lot of um, uh, things on online where they they sell photos or video to marketing companies. Like if you have if you're a photographer and you shoot for AP, uh, they'll have like a little watermark on it, and you have to okay. pay to have that, that watermark removed. Yeah. Um, and so. What I have is also the tin can. What it, what the film was sitting in wasn't the original tin can from the studio. It's the tin can that supposedly the synced up version for a presentation sat in. 
Okay. So basically, once they got it back and they, you know, synced it up with the audio and, and, and the music and everything, uh, that is what was sent out in the new, the new tin can, basically. Yeah, and so something must have happened where, I don't know, you know, you know how it is. It's almost like uh, with like like uh, DVD cases or um, right. or uh, VHS uh, uh, cardboard holders where it's like, okay, just for you, you temporarily put one that doesn't belong in one into the other kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right. Like you're right. like you're playing you're playing a video game. You take it out, you put Madden into the you know the Mortal Kombat box or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And so once. Once the marketing and once all this uh, hype was done and once they realized they didn't need that reel anymore, I mean, who knows what happened to it? It could have sat on someone's shelf, you know, you know, waiting to be sent back and it never got sent back, you know, um, and then no one ever inquired about it, you know. Right. Um, and and that, this was a time like I'm sure these days – well, these days it would all just be digital, but um, nobody was, you know, keeping track or archiving things the way that maybe – uh, especially at this point, because they don't know, you know, this could have been rejected and move on to the next thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, w- I've heard I've heard firsthand from a, a Deke employee that um, basically this is a, this is a scary thing to to see. Um, it was just scary because um, they said that once the episode was dubbed to beta broadcast beta tapes. Mm-hmm. The film was eventually discarded, which okay. is sad. It's yeah, sad. Right. So Deke did a lot of cartoons. We're talking Inspector Gadget. We're talking, you know, uh, Captain Planet or, you know, Heathcliff, real Ghostbusters. You know, you could, the list goes on. Right. And it's sad to hear that a lot of that film, if you know, all of it, if not, you know, all of it could be gone. Right. Yes. If they're just, if they're, if they're putting it on beta and they have no use for it. A lot of it could have just ended up in the trash. What could have happened is somebody could have just been a fan of, of the movie and said, and pocketed it and taken it home. And it, that could be it. Everything here, whoever's listening, this is all speculation, you right. know, but, just but, there, but it's, 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 you know, it's very, but somebody you know, stole it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> stole, well, it, well, here's the thing, you know, is yeah, it, it, it was a souvenir basically, right? you know, um, but um, basically as soon as I guess Deke moved, like three times in a very short span. Okay. They moved their facilities in a very short span for whatever reason, three times. And they saw how much money it cost to move that film. Right. You know, you're thinking about the like 20 minute, 20 minute film reels times, how many ever episodes times, however many shows you're doing. That's a lot of freaking film. Right. And so I guess they got tired of spending the, the amount to ship it or an amount to transport it and amount to store it. And plus it's film. It had to be temperature controlled. So that probably the extra cost on electricity and, you know, facilities to do that kind of thing, the beta tapes probably seemed more logical, economical, you know, like, listen, they probably had no idea what the future could bring. They, they didn't think that far into the future. They're just trying to save a buck then, not, you know, not later. Yeah. Well, it's the, the convenience of having something small and compact and, and, you know, not, uh, it's not taking up space, and it's not as heavy, and you don't need to. It doesn't need as much, you know, delicate care. Uh, it's kind of the same. It's funny now because you know vinyl's so big, but the reason why vinyl went away is because people wanted something uh, less, you know, intrusive. And so you go from 
you know, vinyl to eight track to cassette to CD to digital, and now people want to people want vinyl or people want film again. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the yeah, circle the, of life. We're, we're coming back. Yeah, we're coming back to the beginning, and it's like, but we can't though. People are always so basically through my journey, and I'm I'm posting like before and after pictures, like teasers of the quality difference between what we we, we saw on the Time Life box set. Oh, that's what I, I meant to bring that up. So. Uh, the only time people have seen this, uh, 99.9% of people, is yep. the the beta transfer was... Uh, Not the, even beta. Not okay. even. So what what was on the Time Life Real Ghostbusters uh, Firehouse box set and the special features, so, the four-minute so, pilot's on there, but it's in what form? It's VHS. Okay. It's a VHS transfer. And it's so, not... It doesn't look very good. No, it's, it doesn't. Um, so basically, I'll try to zip through the, the, the history of it real quick, then we'll, I'll, I'll get us back to the present time here. Um, so like I said, this was used as an internal concept pilot or pitch just to get the, the, the show sold so that they can make the episodes for syndication. And that's what we watched on Saturday morning cartoons. Now, once that deal was made, the need for that pilot was done. I mean, the, you know, the, it, it did its job and – probably whoever was supposed to keep track of it, you know, didn't care anymore. So fast forward to 2008 because it was an internal piece and DVDs, you know, are just, you know, still making their way through home video and, and special feature, which the thing about DVDs that brings special features and bonus discs discs into the, into play that, you know, VHS couldn't do before. So, for the first time in 2008, 99% of us, the public, can now see that pilot for the first time ever. Um, but it almost didn't even arrive on that box set because they couldn't find a copy of it in archives. They had to go to the original director who they were interviewing for the bonus features. And he snuck he snuck a copy of it back in the day to VHS. They weren't letting a lot of people near it. And because he was the director of it, he wanted to have a personal copy for like just for his like his resume or just for, like, you know, he worked on it. He wanted to have a, a sentimental copy of it. Right. And uh, so he snuck a recorder in to record the damn thing. And so um, if it wasn't for him, Kevin Altieri was the director of the pilot and he was interviewed for the box set. And he's the whole reason why we even have that on the box set. But. He's also the only reason we have an audio track, right? Because that's the the that's one the only that source. That's the only source, and so the one when you began uh, the restoration process, that was the only. Sorry, some cars are. I don't know. Something's going on. <laughs> I, I heard it. Know, I heard it. What kind of neighborhood am I living in? Uh, <laughs> hey, we're podcasting, folks. Don't they? I, I just go, it's like the old school, uh, you know, get off my front lawn. I go out there, you know, we're podcasting here. Um, anyways, the audio track that you used for your uh, yes. for your restoration is is that audio track that he sourced. That's that's correct because that's the only surviving source that's come to come to light. I mean, I keep saying I have the only film copy. I have the only known film copy. I mean, someone you know, twenty years from now might dig up something. You know, who knows? It's anything is possible, but. The reason why this pilot is so important, it's important on many levels. Because Deke discarded the film for their episodes, right? 
at the moment, this is the only surviving film of real Ghostbusters. Right. So that's, that's, that's point. That's point one. <laughs> that's crazy. Right. It's point right. one. That's it's point crazy. one, though. It's the only surviving film copy of the concept pilot that got the whole cartoon that we know and love sold in the first place. Right. And because of Kevin's uh, sneakiness back in the day, he is the reason why we have an audio source to sync up to that because there is no other surviving source on, on cassette or LP or film that someone has come up, come to light with and say, Hey, listen, I have this, you know, and right. this is what's like, for. even, even if it's out there more than likely, wherever it is, the people, wherever it is, no, people don't know. Somebody might have it in a box in their basement somewhere and have no, yep. no clue. It could still be in, in a former employee's, uh, you know, basement or attic right. it, that someone took home. It could be, I, I just recently acquired a lot of filmation artwork for Ghostbusters. Okay. And that was recently found in an old filmation storage unit okay. that was auctioned, that was auctioned off. Right. And you just, so I, I think, I think what's, what's serendipitous about all of this and your story is that out of all the people in the world for this piece of film to fall like into the hands of mm-hmm. you, you get it, you know what it is. You get the idea of, okay, this should be restored. Now, maybe 75% of collectors, 50% of collectors who find that, maybe they sell it, maybe they archive it, maybe they keep it, maybe they turn it over to Sony. You say, I've got a background in video editing and, uh, well, I guess I don't want to assume. What is your background? I think I think it's video editing, but... No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I mean, I spent, basically, I... I since high school, I've been video editing in some form or fashion, okay. and then it became a career. I mean, I went to film school. Uh, I worked for ESPN and Disney, doing video editing as a career. And so, what do you do now, just uh, out of sheer curiosity? Uh, I currently still do work for ESPN in, in some form or fashion. I'm okay. basically a, con- a contractor at this moment, but I work directly at ESPN in Orlando okay. uh, and do a lot of producing and video editing. Um, but um, it pays the bills. Let's put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a big sports guy, but it pays the bills. Gotcha. Um, and it pay, and, and it pays for my uh, my habit. My yeah, habit. <laughs> my uh, habit hobby. Yeah, hobby. Hey, there's fix. There's a lot. There's many worse habits to have. <laughs> yeah, uh, trust me. I, I think drugs are cheaper. <laughs> yeah, nobody's uh, looking for like prototype heroin. They just want whatever they can find. Yeah, exactly. But uh, God, it just but, got dark. <laughs> but so, so, so yeah, so yeah. Um, you're right. I mean, here's the thing. Think about this. Think about this in this way. The amount I, I call it the planets aligning for this moment because not. I don't think that even the people that had this knew what they had. Right. The dealer who was just buying up stuff to, to flip and sell didn't know what he had. Right. When I was buying it, I didn't know what it was. I th- honestly thought it was either going to be a commercial or maybe an internal, like, you know, promotional thing for a meeting saying, you know, maybe like the, the president of, of Deke was going to be like, you know, a message to his employees saying, okay, all right, yeah. we're going to have a great year, guys. You know, you know, this is what's coming up in our, our fall lineup, you know? And, oh, yeah. Um, it could have been one of those, um, like, those used to be really big, like those pilot presentations they would have, like, on ABC. Where they like debut yeah. all the new, uh, you know, 
clips from the new shows for the fall season. Uh, that's yeah. probably where my mind would have gone of what you know what it could be at first. Well, because of the date, it was a, a week before the first episode aired. And so on, on, on Saturday morning cartoons, and I figured, I figured um, okay, well, maybe it's the first episode. That's cool, too. And at that time, I had no idea how rare film for real Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters was. I, to me, it was just a cool conversational piece, and that's why I bought it. Right. Like, if I, so, I'm just being honest. If I would have found that in a box, I would have taken it out, looked at the film, saw that it was real Ghostbusters, and probably just put it on a shelf. And yeah. Not really yeah. thought much else of it. If it was like, let's just put it this way, in perspective, if it was just like one of the random episodes, it'd be on my shelf right now, and then that'd be it, you know, right. you know, done, done deal. Um, I'd show, I'd, I'd talk about it, and it would last one day, you know, on on social media, right. like, oh, that's so cool, and then moving on. But, um, but no, uh, so I get it, and because I've seen the bonus disc on Time Life Set, I I, I know of the pilot. I didn't know how rare or the story behind the pilot was. I didn't know that that it was only a VHS copy that exists up to that point. Um, but I did recognize the four same color tan jumpsuits, you know? And at that point I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> right. You're, you're thinking we might, we might, we got one. Yeah. I mean like, yeah, I mean, Holy crap. And so that's when I started doing all the research and I'm like realizing how rare and like what kind of thing I'm holding. And I'm like, Oh crap. So it's like I said, it was a Saturday that I got in the mail. And um, I'm doing all this research. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how to back this up because I'm like, regardless of what happens to it, like like you said, either give it to Sony or whatever, um, I need to have a copy of it backed up immediately. Right. And so I had a few options, but I didn't like it much. I didn't really like them. I could have said to Sony, hey, I, here you go. Well, you know, welcome home kind of thing. You know, right. you guys have the equipment to do this. You know, I don't. But then I, I worried that it would just sit on their shelf, you know, they would not deal, deal with it until later, if at all. And so, because if you got to think a fan's perspective or a collector's perspective is, I just found this treasure. The world needs to see it. Uh, and you know, real ghostbusters, uh, a real ghostbusters pilot from 30 years ago, as cool as it is, is more than likely not going to be at the top of anybody's priority list at a, uh, at at a film studio. Not at all, especially after like, you know, regardless of what you think of the film, you know, it, it didn't the, the newest Ghostbuster movie didn't, you know, do too well. Right. You know, so as far as like, you know, moving forward with the franchise, you know, it's kind of up in the air. And so but regardless, though, it landed in my hands that someone who is a Ghostbusters fan, like hardcore and someone who does video editing for a living. So I had two other options. Um I either could say, here, Sony, you know, have fun with it. You know, please do the fans right and and just kind of like fingers crossed or do it myself at least before I do anything with it. So at least we have my version out there. Right. And so at least I can say, listen, I gave it I gave it my shot and at least it's backed up in some form or fashion. So because it's film, it's a one it's the only copy. And God forbid there's a flood or fire in my house. You know, it's done for. There's just nothing. That's it. Irreplaceable. So. And so my biggest fear was to send it out somewhere because I my biggest fear was to have it lost in the mail, right? You know, or damaged, uh, crushed in the mail or lost. And at that point, it's like, oh crap, because I I research on like people that that can scan this for a living. You know, they they do they have facilities that have the the equipment to scan old film. 
so digital to digital format. And so I was lucky enough to find a guy within driving distance. And I emailed him, I called him, and that Monday I drove up to him and I said, hey, I, I explained the importance of it. I said, listen, I need, I'll, I'll pay you a rush fee because I, I really didn't want it in his possession longer than it had to be. Um, and so three days later, I had a, a digital scan of the, the, the film and I immediately um, got to work. Now, he normally, what they normally do, and these people that do this for a living, what they normally do is they scan it for people and they burn it to DVD so that they, they at least have it in different format that, it, that the average Joe can watch. The average family can just enjoy on their on their TV screen. But because I wanted to edit it and I wanted to restore it, I needed it in a different format, um, especially with all the dust marks. So his computer or his scanning device was able to create uh, high-res JPEGs. Okay, of, for every single every frame. frame. For every oh, single wow. frame. And, and they're numbered. So... Okay. You know, there's no chance of things getting misplaced or you know, miscom, you know, in the wrong in the wrong uh, wrong order. Right. So that made things so much easier in a, in a way for editing and, and restoring because just out of curiosity, was, how many how many individual JPEGs is is that four minute uh, reel? It's over five thousand five hundred frames. Okay. Five hundred wow. five hundred five thousand five hundred JPEGs. It's over that, and <laughs> it's a lot. That's insane. <laughs> so. Um, cause it's really in reality, it's like 56,000, 5,600 and, and change, but I, I just say 5,500 just to be, you know, yeah. simple, it's but a good, yeah. a good round number, you know, yeah. uh, but, but regardless though, um, I did everything in Adobe products. So okay. I did Photoshop and I did premiere. I spent, it took me four months in Photoshop to get all the frames done. Okay. And. I had, to, I had to go back many times. So initially when I did my first run uh, through Photoshop, I was then done and then I put everything in order on a timeline in Premiere. And then that was the first time I saw it play out. Mm -hmm. Because that's all video is. That's all, that's all everything you see on the TV screen. That's all it is, is a bunch of moving pictures. Right. So you, you get, you, you spend four or five months, uh, Doing what you do in Photoshop to, to get everything, all the color correction, all not of not even the, color correction, not even that. Okay, but your your first pass to, to improve the the quality. Yes, yes. You get and them so, all on a timeline in Premiere and you watch it for the first time. Yes. Okay. And so Photoshop, the the main focus of Photoshop was to remove any damage or dust marks or hairline marks, whatever was in the film that couldn't be cleaned off. Okay. And. And so you know how you watch an old film, you see things flickering, you know, right. on the screen. Right. I, I removed all of that. And um, so once I was able to play it in Premiere, it still needed color correcting. That's what Premiere was for, color correction. Okay. And so – but it was also – allowed me to see what I missed my first time through Photoshop. So okay. I was able to go through and see, oh, crap, I saw something flicker. I had to go back frame by frame. And, oh, there it is. the cool – the cool thing was I could reopen it from Premiere into Photoshop, save, and it would update in Premiere. Right, right. I, yeah. I, I did, yeah, so. Yeah, for the, I'm sure, uh, yeah, that's a very cool feature. It's very helpful in video editing when you're able to, you know, uh, if you've ever worked in um, uh, Illustrator or Photoshop or um, I'm drawing a blank on 
the animation studio, but uh, it's very convenient to be able to send that stuff back and forth like that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was the only way for me to do it. I mean, I'm like, as far as economically, it was the, the way I did it was the best way to do it. Um, and as I'm watching this, you know, it's coming together, it's coming together, but then I had actually had this the film scanned twice for, for certain scenes. Um, the uh, the machine that the guy used, it it's not just like you just you just feed the film through and you you, you scan it, and you're done. It has variables. It has how 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 bright the bulb is or the light is, so that the camera can see the film. So a few things were overexposed, like the ghost walking down the street. I okay. couldn't see I couldn't see the shadows. The ghost is two different colors. He's white but with gray shadow, you know, shade on parts of his body. Okay. If you go back to the film, you'll see that he's basically two different colors. And I could not see the gray on him. And so I had to do a lot of crazy things. Um, well, for one thing, I had to get, get rescanned at, at a lower light level so that the, things, the, the exposure could be, you know, usable. And so there's a few other things that I had to, had to do too. Like the, the grocery lady at the very beginning, the, she was so overexposed that her eyes were, and nose were just not there. So I had to do a second pass with a guy with different, uh, you know, adjustments with the knobs so that we can actually see her better. And then I was able to, you know, re, you know, fix it from there. Okay. But um, I'm getting, I know I'm getting to a little bit the deeper detail. For no, like people, I mean, I, the average Joe is like, what the hell, whatever. Yeah, no, no, this is, I mean, if anybody who's listening to this is going to want to know, uh, you know, because you, so people, I think in the Ghostbusters community are familiar with, you know, that you found it and that it was released. And I know, I think you, there's like a four or five minute little documentary that you put on YouTube uh, covering yeah. some of this. Uh, but you know, we, you know, we we asked you on to get down to the uh, the nitty gritty of 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 what got you from point A to I mean Ghostbusters there. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I guess I was going a little bit detail just to give people an idea of what I went through because I could easily just say, yeah, I found it and I restored it, done deal. Right. You, you know, <laughs> uh, we but, want the people watching it to feel <laughs> the 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 man hours and the in you know your family fell apart and you're out on the streets and you just had to drag your your Adobe Premiere to the local <laughs> library and do it there. No, I'm just kidding. Well, well, it's it's funny because the original computer that I was working on crashed. Okay, that's stressful. my Mac. My Mac died and from a, from a factory default uh, defect and uh, and yeah, there was nothing I could do about it. It basically started from scratch. But luckily, I saved um, the majority of my work, you know, on a thumb drive. So um, I was very diligent about saving stuff to a uh, offline media to. That's um, good. Just in case. But um, so, yeah, so that was like one setback. And then – but yeah, so then another setback was having to go back and get this, the film rescanned just for certain scenes. There was like five scenes that I just did not – I was not happy with and I could not make it work. Okay. With the first time through that it was just too overexposed, that too much detail was being lost. And that was the whole point of this was the detail compared to VHS. Right. It know? wasn't just to, to, to have a, a nicer looking version to throw on YouTube and forget about it. you want if you're going to put in five months of work you, you want it to be perfect or as perfect exactly. as you can. Well, especially with the way social media is, anyone today is looking for a reason to shut you down, you know. And I was trying to get it to the point where oh, I was yeah. like, you know, there's like there, you have nothing to say. <laughs> right, right. What are you going to say to this? Um, I will say uh, 
the response has been overwhelmingly positive. I haven't read one negative thing about it. Uh, coming from any fan community, specifically Ghostbusters, that's a great thing. Uh, so once you finish up, once you get it to the point where you you say, okay, this is ready to be seen and viewed, you're considering your options. I'm assuming you reach directly out to Ghost Corps. Is that correct? That's correct. And um, yeah, I was I was tinkering with plan A, B, and C, to be honest. Um, okay. Because... You know, I was trying to do it the legal way, but I was prepared to do it to the point where they say, hey, take that, take that down. You know, you don't right. have the rights. You like know? kind of the old, you know, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Yeah, but because you know what, though, it's it's all it's all utter crap, because the, if anyone complained, it's it's like there's a version of it right now on YouTube and it's been there right. for years. Right. You know, right. so I wasn't too worried about it, but I was prepared for any outcome. But yeah, someone on Instagram who is a big uh, Ghostbusters fan and he, he has a you know, his own podcast and YouTube page. Um, he got me in contact with a ghost corp, uh, representative. And at first, um, they wanted me to donate the film. They wanted to ask if I was, if I would consider donating the film and they, they weren't really interested in the restoration itself. It just hadn't hit that, hit the, you know, like, Oh wait, this is actually a cool thing. Right. Um, and, um, I was like, well, I mean, I thought it'd be kind of cool, you know, for people to see this, you know, uh, you know, officially, you know, whether you allow me to post it on YouTube or you guys post it on YouTube yourselves or Facebook or whatever, you know, have it out there so that, you know, people can see it. And, um, you were pushing, so, so you were pushing for it. So it wasn't, I was, uh, this I wasn't, was. um, uh, you know, a, an opportunity for you to, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you weren't seeking like a financial gain or like it wasn't necessarily, it was just no. about, it was about, getting it out into a medium where uh, you put five or six months into work into this uh, piece that has been kind of lost in time and you want to go about letting the world. Yeah, there was, yeah, that's right. I mean, there's, there was, there was a few ways that I was ready to let it go down. I mean, money was never a topic um, in any conversation. uh, And it was mostly about credit for my work. Right, you know, which any art there's not an artist in the world who doesn't want credit for their work. So, so um. I worked hard to uh, really push for that. I mean, I said uh, basically I had them by the balls. I mean, it, it was up to them if they if they uh, wanted to care enough, you know, because yeah. they could have said it's real Ghostbusters. That's in the past. We're moving forward with our other agendas and and you know other storylines and other parts of the franchise. Right. You know, we're not. This is not worth the effort. Yeah, but <clears throat> one thing um, for those not familiar. Uh, so when we talk about Ghost Corps, and I'm assuming if you if you uh, if you're listening to this, you know this. But uh, in case you don't, Ghost Corps is Ivan Reitman and Dan Aykroyd's production company that was set up uh, at Sony specifically for Ghostbusters, you know, television, film, merchandising, uh, anything Ghostbusters related is going to you know come through the umbrella of Ghost Corps. Um, the timing of when it was set up was uh, pretty pretty interesting. Uh, you know, there's a whole other podcast, there's a whole other series of podcasts to talk about some of the back and forth between uh, Ghostbusters Answer the Call and what happened with uh, Ghost Core and all that. But uh, their entire the entire thing over there, the entire production company, is to see the Ghostbusters brand into the future, um, and I think that's kind of what your 
you're referring to, they could have easily been like, hey, nobody cares. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're going a different direction and it's just not worth our time. But that's yeah. not what happened. I'm, I'm that's not what happened. No, not at all. And I was so happy that, that we were able to make something happen because um, it's, it's a, it's, I was in a weird situation um, because I don't have the rights to real Ghostbusters, obviously. Right. But when things fall into the collector realm or the public property realm, um, I physically own the, the film itself. Right. It's your property. It's my property. I paid for it. It's mine. It's that no one can say, you know, this was stolen, you know, return it kind of thing. Right. Um, but at the same time, though, I have no rights to what's on the film. Right. So, it's like a weird legal thing. Like you, you can own it all day long, uh, but you really can't legally profit off of it. I can't profit off of it. And showing it, you know, is also a gray area too. Right. So on my own. So these kinds of really, things are always so weird because my, in my mind, it's always like, it's, it's long as it's not hurting the franchise or the brand, then who cares? I agree. I fully agree. Cause you know, we see it so many times, you know, right now where things are online, we know that's not the official thing, but it's there, you know, and it's been there. Um, but you know, fan art is different than actual original art. Right. So that's where I was, I, cause even though I had a restoration version and it was my, basically my version of it, but it's still too close to be up to the original art that, you know, I can't call it my own. Right. So, but at the very least, I wanted to. I mean, they they could have they could have, you know, paid. They they could have said, "Hey, listen, we're going to give you this amount of money, and we're going to take this off your hands, and that'll be the end of it." You know, your name will be nowhere attached to it ever. Right. Um. But like I said, that never came into play, and and I never no neither side ever started that conversation. But I said to them, "Listen, I have this restoration. I think this needs to be out there." And I'm willing to work with you guys to make it happen. But at the very least, I want my name to be listened. You know, I think it would be a cool featurette, you know, either on a bonus feature or on a website or whatever. Right. You know, fan lost and found, you know. Right. You know, so um, like I said, we were able to make something work. And we originally were, I mean, talking about other ideas. Mm-hmm. And I can't. I don't want to go into too much detail because I can't right uh, legally um, and also because I want to keep working with these guys <laughs> right yeah uh, but well, um, I mean at, without going into detail it's no secret that the 35th anniversary is coming up there's yeah. gonna be you know new events new DVD releases all sorts of stuff so uh, I think it's safe to say there's a lot of different routes that this could have gone once they yes. agreed that like hey we are interested in putting this out in some official capacity, there's different ways it could have gone. Yes. And, but they said, you know what the, they said the, the timing just worked for this year that, Hey, you're already done with restoration. We've already done the legal work where they, we've signed contracts where I say, here's the restoration and they say, okay, we're going to credit you on where we can, you know, wherever it's posted and, or wherever it's used. And so, they said, hey, wait a minute, Ghostbusters Day is around the corner. Um, we're going to use it for that. And so, um, which is really cool because waiting a whole year for the 35th would have been agonizing, you know? Um, yeah, I so, mean, cause, that, cause that, I was really, I was really, 
Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I assumed once you kind of stopped posting about it in, in, on your Facebook group, I kind of assumed, okay, there's some wheels in motion here. But I didn't really – I thought maybe waiting a year was in play. I'm, I'm glad it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it really, because like I said, I love, like we said before about my toy collecting and, I, and my interaction with people and reading comments and commenting back. I mean, I loved it doing through the whole process of restoring this thing and showing people little teasers and before and afters and not being able to show, it got to the point where there's nothing left to show but the whole thing, you know? Right. And I had nothing left to show and I was like, kind of like, you know, in like a, uh, I was like striving for like, you know, I was... I needed my fix, basically. <laughs> and like I said, waiting a whole year would have been agonizing. But like I said, I was glad that, that we were able to come to an agreement and we were able to make it happen. And honestly, personally, this is my opinion. I think it was the best thing of Ghostbuster Day. So I'm just going to say it right now. I thought it was the best part of Ghostbuster Day. <laughs> um, it was – It was no, it was great. I mean you know, there was definitely some announcements this year, but I think everybody kind of feels like you know, next year as far as like – New Next movies, year, yes. You know, new movie announcements, the animated movie, new TV shows. Um, one thing I will say is that the reaction that the pilot got was huge. Everybody was talking about it. Um, it was funny. People kept messaging me, have you seen this? Have you seen this? I'm like, yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> like, um, you know, because we had talked and everything. So one thing that was really interesting in general about Ghostbusters Day this year, it was extremely focused on the original movies and, of course, real Ghostbusters. It, there was no sense of... Uh, it almost felt kind of like a, a, we're going to take a look backwards and acknowledge the past and start laying down a new foundation for the fandom as we begin to look forward. Uh, I personally think that real Ghostbusters could be in play for some sort of, uh, you know, comeback. Uh, whether it's a, so. a new animated series based on that, uh, they're working on an animated movie. You know, obviously, we, there's the real Ghostbusters are featured in the comics uh, a decent amount. Um, yep. But it, it it was really cool to see the the, the super positive response. What was uh, I think they released the website? I think went live maybe like 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, so what you know, take us through Ghostbusters Day for you. Uh, for, first of all, how how far before so Ghostbusters Day was last Friday? How long in advance did you know that it was going to uh, launch on the the website for for GB Day? I think I knew about a month in advance. Okay. Um, and so yeah, it was like it was like agonizing to to wait even that long to because I couldn't even say anything. I couldn't even promote it. Right, you know? right. It, everything had to be a surprise, which was great that it was. But it was like you know, knowing a secret that you can't tell anyone. You know, it's like ah, oh, crap. Right, right. <laughs> um, but once it finally came, like here's the thing: I wish I knew when they were going to post because they, I don't even think they knew at the time uh, when I asked them. But I was like staying up late, you know, like three or four in the morning, and I was waiting to. I kept refreshing Ghostbusters.com, and it kept it kept having that. Um, you know, under construction thing. Yeah, like the temporary page. Yeah, and I was like, "Come on, I want to be able to finally." You know, the day has come. It's it, technically, it legally, it's Ju it's June eighth. You know, come on, let's go. And I had to wait till I got to work and at nine a.m. And it's like, oh, there it is. And people start posting like, "Ah, oh, it's up, it's up." I'm like, "Ah, oh, crap, okay." So now I can like, you know, uh, I had a few like posts ready to go and a few you know things I've made in Photoshop ready to go. And to finally tell people, hey, guess what's on that site, guys? You know, go check it out. And honestly, from 9 a.m. 
till maybe midnight, I was on social media and just to reply to people. Cause like you said, the, the reactions was huge and very positive. And I was trying to stay, stay in the, the realm of, you know, just interacting with people. Um, I think that's like, a, that's something that, that, you know, a lot of people don't get when they post on certain things. They say, Oh, I love this. And then no one responds, you know, like, Oh, uh, Hey, where'd you get this? And then no one answers their question. You know, right, I like right. to, I like to be, you know, a people person when it comes to that. I mean, I, I might, I might not be a people person in person, but <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's online, part of the, a, a big thing of building like an online presence, uh, or an Instagram page or a Facebook page or whatever is the, the interaction, the comments, the, you know, the going and checking out other people's stuff and actually making it feel more like a community than just, I, I am an entity. I am Bobby eighties. You will look at my stuff and I will not talk to you. Uh, uh, <laughs> because I mean, you consider, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a collector. You're, you're part of a fan community. None of us, uh, you know, I, like I always say, we, we sit here, we do yes, have some podcasts we talk to interesting people and we shoot the shit about, you know, Ghostbusters and Jurassic Park and Star Wars. But, uh, you know, we, we're, we're, not, uh, we're not making millions. We're just having fun and, because we're passionate yeah. about it. Absolutely. And, and like I said, I mean, it's, I was there all day. I mean, between Twitter, I have a Twitter account, but I really don't use it that much. I mean, I don't really, I really don't get Twitter personally. <laughs> um, it's especially with their limitations. Like I try to like type a lot of shit and then as you, you have like one character left, <laughs> right? I'm like, screw you. I got a lot to say here. And, and I have nothing, I have no like characters left to, to tag people or tag things. You know, right. it's like, Oh, come on. So I, I have a Twitter account, but between Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, I was like on my phone, I was bouncing back and forth, right. you know, trying to like catch up on people tagging me and commenting on tags and, asking questions and it's like so yeah that interaction was yeah. amazing and it was cool uh in the official press release for ghostbusters day um you know that all the websites had uh we 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 had it and ghostbustersnews.com uh you got full credit and uh i thought that was really you know that was really cool because it's not easy what i like about ghost core uh, i can't speak for sony uh, you know as a whole it's a giant corporation uh, and I'm assuming because they're a giant corporation, they're probably not great. Uh, but Ghost Corps, <laughs> you know, there, there feels like kind of a scrappiness to it. In Ghostbusters uh, in general uh, is about underdogs, uh, yep. you know, fighting the system. Uh, so it was really cool that you were able to work with them and work it out. And, and actually, we're, we're seeing fan participation uh, kind of become, you know, part of the official celebration. I, I don't think there's anything better than that. No, Ghost Corp. Uh, it's, it's, it's there's a bunch of good people there. They 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 love what they do. They love the franchise, and but I kind of think of them as you can't think of them as you know a corporation. They are part of a corporation. Right, right. They have they have people to to you know you know they have to report to, and so it took a few months to get this deal done because they it was it was like basically back and forth emailing to the higher ups, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Cause there's and, always going to be somebody above you that needs to approve it. Um, yes. do you think, um, did you hear from them at all once it was released? I'm, I'm assuming you have no sense of how many views it's getting since it's on a, their website, not on YouTube or anything, but I think it's safe to assume that there's thousands and thousands of people, uh, flocking to watch it. Well, I think there is too. I, I haven't talked to them yet. Um, I was kind of hoping to see if they would reach out to me first. Um, mm-hmm. 
but at the same time though, it's, it's freaking Sony and ghost corp. I'm, I'm, you know, there's, there's bigger things than me, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I was trying to like let the dust settle for a little bit and see if they come back to me with some more ideas for stuff or, um, uh, it's not like a personal, personal thing where it's like, Hey Rob, how you doing? I'm just calling to say hi. You know, it's, it's more, it's all, it's mostly just business, but it's, it's a, it's a friendly business if you want to put it that way. Um, but no, I will ask them how many views has gotten up to that point. Cause I'm, I am curious. Um, but I mean, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of lost track here. Like, what, what were we talking about? <laughs> I, sorry, I lost my I lost my train of thought. What, oh, no, what was yeah, the, uh, I, was, other... I was just wondering if you had any sense of um, like how much viewership it was getting or oh, uh, anything yeah. like that. As as far as how many views it's gotten or how you know, I honestly th- I think you're right. You're right that right up there with the thousands. Um, I've gotten messages and people have tagged me in things or they've wanted me to like their page, and it's all these Ghostbuster groups. There's so and many of them. It's ridiculous. And I had no idea because all of a sudden I have friends now or people that know me now um, from the, the Switzerland Ghostbusters, yeah. you know? It's crazy. The- we get like – because, you know, when we started off, we, 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 we weren't ever a, a, a 100% Ghostbusters podcast, but all of us are longtime Ghostbusters fans. We're all members of the Georgia Ghostbusters, which is like our local franchise. And, uh, whoa, we got some thunder going here. We got everything happening in Atlanta tonight. Uh but yeah, so we get tagged and we interact with literally people from all over the world, from Germany, from Italy, Japan, Mexico. Um, it, it's an interesting fan base because it's huge, but it feels uh, it feels more contained than something like Star Wars uh, or Star Trek or you know some of these other giant fan bases. Yeah, I mean, I was I was just blown away because um, what the, the the great part of it being on the official Ghostbusters website is that I feel that it's going to get as many views as it possibly can that way. Yeah, absolutely. As, as opposed to YouTube I mean, YouTube might have a, you know, a second, maybe second in line. But if I created my, if I, let's say I created my own website, cause that was my plan B or C was to create an old like Wix.com website, right. Which went, went through the history of it. And then a little player for the actual restoration and, and, um, just wait to be told to take it down kind of thing. Right. But I'm just so happy that we were able to work something out and then it's out there officially, you know, and I, and my name is still attached to it, um, that I still can be recognized for that work. Um, I'm not making a dime off of it and that's, I'm perfectly cool with that. You know, it's, 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 this was, this was a fan labor love for me. And so um, what's going to happen is this is going to, you're going to, you're going to get paid in a different way, which is somebody's going to watch it see your name and they're going to have some rare, you know, Kenner prototype and they're going to reach out <laughs> to you and be like, Hey, you know, I want to gift this to you for the hard work. Dude, you've done. dude, uh, if only, I hope so. I hope so. But uh, you, you're not too far off where I come across where rare gems, uh, rare collectibles. And my, my form of, you know, cause there's a lot of different collectors out there. Right. Some of them, some of them, are, you know, they're just financially they're not there, and they they try to like, you know, make you feel guilty, you know, kind of thing. You know, it's like, oh come on, man, I really love it. Let me have it for no. like a good deal. You know, no. please, please. And I'm like, dude, I have like 300 bucks into this thing. I can't sell to you for 100. You know? Yeah. Values. That's that's one of those weird things. <laughs> Values value, and I think uh, I think I've seen you commenting on this before. Uh, one of the worst <laughs> things that's happened for collecting in general. 
are shows like Pawn Stars and American Pickers and just yeah. weird, you know, everybody thinks what they have is either, they either, you either have something that people want to lowball you for or people have things that they're just pricing at ridiculous prices. Because um, I used to, there was a time five or six years ago where I was buying and selling toys full time. Uh, that's that's code for I was unemployed. And uh, uh, it was crazy. People would, they, they would want you know, they would want retail-esque prices for these collections. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to spend $500 on this stuff and then flip it for $300. It's just not going to work that way. Exactly, exactly. Well, my little, but, but my version of that, like, please, 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 you know, give me a deal, man. Give me a break. Well, my version of that is just whipping out photos of my collection. Right. <laughs> like, like like the wall photos, like like, right. the, like this, like room photos. And it's like, um, hey, man, that's a cool, that's a cool item, you know, um, it would look great in my collection, and I just right. like kind of flash. <laughs> and right. then the, the, this, this is what happens sometimes. It doesn't work every time, but it's the when you talk about people gifting things or whatever, they'll at least be kind enough to give me first dibs. Yeah, you know. Well, you want and, your you if you have something that you love, you and you're going to get rid of it. You you hope it goes to somebody who's going to appreciate it exactly and, and value it. Because at the end of the day, it's all just stuff, right? So it's like, it you know, there's not a toy I've ever bought that. That you know, if if like if I owned a piece that if I like Ghostbusters is my number one, it's hard for me to sell Ghostbusters stuff. But if I have like a, a you know a Ninja Turtles something like a prop yeah. or or a prototype that I love, but a, a giant Ninja Turtles fan who who wanted it more than I did, like yeah, I'm I'm gonna work with somebody like that. I'm not going to uh, shun somebody. But when they you know they start lowballing you or just asking for it, that that's where you gotta kind of like draw the line. Yeah, that's where you gotta play. Say, yeah, sorry, can't do it, man. You yeah. know, but um, but not. It goes even a step further sometimes, where people are like, so I don't know if you've even seen it in my collection, but I have this. Uh, I've only seen one of them, and I have it. So it's um a big cardboard sign for Ghostbusters Two slash Real Ghostbusters. It's, it's a toy store. Okay. Uh, ban- like, like cardboard banner. Okay. Uh, I think I've seen that. It's like a yeah. Something so they would have they would have had displayed in retail. Yeah, it was basically it has a bunch of it has like two like loopholes like loops in, in, the, in, the, in the top part of it in the corners. So I think it was something that, that hung somewhere. Okay, like hung like from the um, from sometimes they have those like uh, like you see at Walmart like the signs that hang from the rafters or whatever. Yeah, like so basically like there'd be like an, like an aisle sign saying right, you know right. Ghostbusters toys here you know aisle five whatever. Um, right. But over your head kind of thing, and so. Because it's double sided too, so it had to be seen somewhere, either at a window or up at the top of an aisle. But um, basically, an awesome uh, dude uh, in, in Ohio found this in a guy's garage, and somehow it didn't get sun faded. You know, thank God. Right. And and so he had it for like thirty years, and it was um, in good condition. And someone, I always get tagged a lot for like people say, Hey, listen, I, my buddy has this Ghostbusters stuff. He hasn't posted it yet, but talk to him. Maybe he'll work a deal with you. Right. Or, well, you've positioned or, yourself to, I mean, that, that's, that's the benefit of, of building a little brand for yourself online is that people come across stuff and they, you know, they know you and they say, Hey, check, you know, check this shit out. Exactly. So I did, I did one of the, honestly, I turned this guy away the first time because he wanted a lot of money for it, but he could have asked even more for it or, he could have posted on eBay and possibly gotten more for it. And he was just so nice. Cause he saw, he knew of me and he saw photos of my collection and he said, listen, dude, 
I don't care what we got to do, but I will work with you on this. Right. Because I, I turned him away. I said, listen, uh, I can't afford that right now. You know, take it, you know, do the rounds. You know, ask right. a few other people, ask a few other people first. And if, it, if you still have it in a month or two, you know, let me see what I can do. Basically, we, we worked on a, a, pl- a payment plan where I paid whatever every month. Okay. And, and he was just so nice. And um, that's cool that he, he, you know, he let you do that. Well, yeah, because sometimes people need money now, you know, for whatever oh, reason. Yeah. I mean, that's usually why like, people are, you know, unless you're a dealer, if, if somebody's selling something awesome, it's usually because they're trying to come up with some cash. Sometimes yeah. to buy something else, sometimes to pay the water bill. <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. Dude, been there on both ends. Uh, both oh, yeah. Time. All right. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> we all have. <laughs> hey, there's nothing worse than like you're sitting in your house putting together your, your 100% complete Technodrome, but the lights are off. It's like the life of a collector. Oh my god, dude, dude! I've been slowly upgrading to glass cases because that's the only way to go. I hate the dust; it kills me, you know. Yeah, that's that's part of my plan too. I want, I've been looking at the obviously the Detoff shells at IKEA are great, but they're you know they're smaller. Uh, I've been looking at trying to figure out you know how to get some display cases or some glass shells. It's just you know they're heavier, they're harder to come by, and all that stuff. Yeah, but I've, I, you're absolutely right. I've gotten some good deals though locally through Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, um, where locally I get secondhand display cases. Yeah, if stores close down, like small retail shops, and they, yep. they're just trying to get rid of that stuff, yeah, you show up with a pickup truck, you might get three or four nice display cases for you know 150 bucks or something. Oh, easy, easy. Um, I, I've I've steered away from the countertop displays just because that means I have to drill holes of racks above them to yep. get some space back, you know. Yep. But um, I've luckily gotten some like good deals on wider with the glass sliding doors, you know, display yep. cases. Yeah. So they're a bitch to get in the house. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, the the determination you have as a collect like. Like, you know, I, I can barely lift a bag of cat food, but you know, I'll get that 200-pound shelf into the toy room. That's going to happen. Um, dude, dude, as a collector, it's funny when it comes to, like, what you'll spend your money on. Mm-hmm. Like, like my like I'll, I won't spend $30 to re- replace my dry wiper blades on my car. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. you, you know? Yeah. That's, it, that's, that's too funny. much work. I've never, met a toy, I've never met a toy collector who didn't have squeaky blades. <laughs> it's because you know I'd rather spend five hundred dollars on you know a prototype than thirty dollars on my blades, and it's right. it's just the mentality is just nuts. Right. <laughs> priorities, well, priorities. So what what we'll do is we'll wrap it up here, but I want to have you on again soon to to kind of keep the toy conversations going. Uh, I want to hear you know I want to hear about you know new projects you look you know working on, new things you're looking for. Um, maybe we can make this a semi regular thing because I think. Uh, a lot of our listening audience here, yes, have some, uh, has very common interests. They like toys. They like talking about them. And we, uh, we got down to the, the nitty gritty, so I thought this was good. Um, real quick, though, before I ask you to uh, you know, plug yourself away again and, and tell everybody where they can find you, uh, what's your holy grail? What, what's the thing that, that you're looking for toy-wise or collector-wise that you haven't come across yet that you might never come across? Uh, because we – it's it's interesting when I ask that because the real Ghostbusters pilot reel is kind of a holy grail, maybe the holy grail, but you didn't know you were looking for it. So what's something maybe uh, you've always dreamed about that uh, if maybe somebody listening might just have in their in their basement ready to send your way? You know, if um, I have I have two things on my list. One I think is obtainable, 
is, is you know it just needs to show up. Um, the other one, I know it exists out there. I know a few owners of it, but uh, the, with the way the market is in 2018, if it was 2005, I could probably do it, but not today as far okay. as the market is going. So. I would, I mean, we all would love Egon's lab, right? Right, right. I, I know a few owners of prototypes for it, but how many the are market, out there? The, uh, there's at least four or five. Okay, okay. Known, known prototypes. Uh, and then there's like, you know, some of the concepts, like, you know, the ones that were like an idea, but didn't, they, they didn't changed the, make it, right. yeah, they changed the whole look of it. There's a few early builds that are out there too. Um, but yeah, the this, the this day and age, you know, I just have nothing in trade value, and I have nothing, you know, cash value that I could amount to what uh, some of these other people would offer for it. So, right. um, as far as what's obtainable, what so I collect a lot of Ghostbuster merchandise from the UK, like I mentioned, and I would collect, you know, all this miscellaneous stuff that, from from gum wrappers to you know backpacks, you know. Right. But if I got this one item, I could honestly stop and be happy. Okay. Uh, and that is the Kenner ectoplasm display box from the stores. Okay, so this is going to – it's a box that holds maybe 24 cans of slime, something like that? Correct. Okay. A real one. Not the – not. The, I, I have – someone uh, did a, like a, re, a, re, a reproduction of it. Okay. But it – I, honestly, I'm a, I'm originalist. If I if I can get an original one, you know that's basically where where my you know um, interests lie. Um, the problem with these uh, uh, slime can display boxes is that they're not a lot out there, not a lot that survived. And then the especially with the Ghostbusters one, I had the Ninja Turtle one, but the problem with with both of those is that they're they're two pieces. There's the box itself that holds the cans, and then there's a backing slip banner that kind of like slides on top. It's like a like a namer kind right, of thing. Right, right. And so I've come across once or twice and passed because people wanted like $1,000 just for the box. And I'm like, I'm not paying $1,000 if it's not complete. Right. You know? It's also hard when it's a piece of cardboard. That too. That too. <laughs> it's like well, one sold for 300 at Chicago Toy Show like three years ago. Okay. And – and it's like, but no one knew of me and knew that I wanted one, so they didn't tell me, you know? So right. it's just like, but hopefully, you know, to you listeners out there. Yes. You know, your buddy any, Bobby. <laughs> if anybody out there has an original, we're not talking about reproduction bullshit. We're talking about the original Ghostbusters ectoplasm display box, both pieces, none of this one piece stuff. Let us know. We'll let Bob, we'll get Bobby the information because I'm not going to be able to afford it. Even if you're like, I want 25 bucks, I'm like, ooh, I don't know, man. Got <laughs> to pay that water bill still. Um, and then, just out of curiosity, uh, Egon's lab. If one came up on eBay, are we talking five thousand? Are we talking two thousand? What what kind of prices are people going to pay for something like that? I mean, I've seen some stuff go crazy lately. I mean, it, I think what's happening is that Star Wars is number one. Right. Right. For a lot of for a lot of collectors. And Star Wars is hitting that stratosphere where even some of the avid longtime collectors can't keep going. Yeah. And so it, it's got ridiculous. I just I made the mistake of starting to collect vintage Star Wars in 2018. So, dude, so- don't do it. Stop. <laughs> don't do it. 
It's like I just bought the uh, the complete Return of the Jedi, the uh, the Jabba playset with uh, Jabba and his, on his uh, throne and Slacious Crom, yeah. and I think I paid like sixty bucks for it, which is fine. But I know for a fact that was a twenty or twenty five dollar piece, you know, a couple years ago. So yeah, yeah, dude, I dude, if you ever, I know you're in Atlanta, correct? Yep, dude, I met Orlando um, last time, but next time you're down, dude. I got my whole living room is split between Star Wars and Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and so I have an entire display case that has all 1977 to 1985 figures for the, the three movies. Well, I cannot and, wait to come salivate in your living room. Dude, weapons and all. And the, and the last 17 coins. Ooh. All right. Power of the Force. I love it. Dude, I got them when it was still doable. Okay. It's not you doable know. anymore. It really no, isn't. No. It's really no, not. No, just don't. So my point is, because of that, the collectors are now going into their second-hand lines that they they like, but didn't you know didn't you know were weren't hardcore at first, and but they still want to buy shit, they still want to collect stuff, and so what's do what's happening now is now they're raising the market on that stuff. So Ghostbusters is hitting that realm where it's like I can't even I can't continue sometimes. It's like are you kidding me? And so um, for an Egon's lab, I mean. Uh, Two thousand is cheap, right? That's crazy. Two thousand is cheap. Uh, I I can honestly say, depending on who's looking, because that's what, what really matters. Is this a private auction or a private backyard deal? You know, black market deal, or right. is this an eBay auction? Right. Uh, it all depends. So I think between five to ten thousand is where wow. it would land. That's crazy. The best deal I've gotten on anything real Ghostbusters. I was there's a. There's a toy show in Atlanta every March called Toy Lana, which has gotten pretty good. It used to be kind of, it used to be called Joe Lana. It was only a GI Joe show. It's kind of right. expanded. Um, and I picked up a complete Ecto two uh, copter with a Fright Features Egon with full tie, no broken tie, and I got it for nice. fi- for fifteen bucks total. And I was like, I felt like I, I stole the show because. You know, the stuff's just skyrocketing. And I already have an Ecto. I didn't need it, but I wasn't going to... Because I know three years from now, that could be 50 or 60 bucks loose without the box. So uh, I went ahead and picked it up. Dude, collecting is is an art in many ways. Um, I like to, you know, compare it to poker sometimes, especially when you're dealing with, with a seller and a buyer and seller kind of situation. Right. Where you're trying to read people, you know? Yeah. And I think at toy shows, especially local toy shows, it's a little bit easier because, you know, for, for if you're a full-time toy vendor, you have to keep moving merchandise in order to keep doing what you're doing. And not that yep. I'm advocating going and lowballing these guys who are just trying to make money, but sometimes at the toy shows, I've gotten my best deals on toys at local shows. I've gotten my worst overpriced deals on eBay. So yeah, that's just kind of absolutely where the where it's at. Um, absolutely but um but yeah so as far as the market goes i mean to wrap things up i mean it's getting crazy it's getting to the point where even i'm getting to the point where i'm going to become extinct you know or at least it seems that way you know but it's like the stock market everything fluctuates it all depends on who's in the game at that moment you know yeah and so um there's a few things i've lost out on that kills me but there's a few other things that i get for dirt cheap because no one's looking you know, so right. You just gotta kind of, um, you gotta you gotta be vigilant, and you just gotta keep just keep your eye out, and never. I mean, we've all dealt with the pain of missing out on an auction that we were watching closely, and then real life got in the way. 
Absolutely. And you know what, though? I mean, I, I hate the, I, I can't say anything because you, you say some people really work hard for their living, you know, and, oh, and yeah. for what they, you know, so if they can afford it, you know, more power to them. But it, I, I would rather be outbidded at the last second than, than Just never or, be in the game. Yeah. Or be or be like, you know what? Oh, crap. I can't tell you many times I fell asleep. You know, because because there's a late auction and I just fell asleep and I I, I did forget to set my alarm and um, I forget that the auction was to end that day or whatever and I I missed out on it. I would rather miss out on an auction than be bought out of it. Yeah. You know, like like by like an enormous amount of money. Right. Um, like it's a, something something that normally goes for like so, I, I hate people that can just buy the pot is what I'm trying to say. Right. Right. Someone no, I, they're I not even it. playing. They're not even playing the game. They're just coming in. Whipping out the Benjamins and then walking away. I can't. That's not. That's not collecting. We're gonna put an end to it. We're gonna put an <laughs> end to that. To to these people with their money and their their free time to outbid us while we fall asleep and wake up to go to work in the morning. Um, well, listen, man. We've covered a lot of ground. I said we were gonna go thirty or forty minutes. We're at the two hour mark, which I love. Uh, I think that folks are really gonna enjoy hearing. Uh, the story of how you found or came into possession of the the real Ghostbusters pilot and how it went from point A to point B. Uh, before we sign off, though, go ahead and plug your uh, plug your sites again so everybody knows where they can find you. So yeah, so yeah, um, anyone who wants to follow me can do so on Instagram at Bobby underscore eighties lowercase B. Everything is lowercase, and on Facebook, Bobby's Toy Chest. Those are my two main pages. You can also find me at, at Bobby80s um, or at Bobby underscore 80s on Twitter. But Instagram is where you're going to see everything that I get as I get it. Um, and then Bobby's Toy Chest, if you want to hear about my complaining and ranting and you want to join in on the fun, you know, please do so. Cool. Sounds good. We'll make sure to put up links once we post the episode. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon and we'll catch up and uh... – if if you if you if you're out there and you've got an Egon's lab and you, you're feeling generous and you want to sell it for a hundred bucks, let Bobby know. He will display it proudly. Uh, Absolutely, and in the ectoplasm <laughs> box, please. In the please. ectoplasm box. Um, cool. Well, thanks, man. We will uh, we'll talk to you soon. And happy hunting, as they say. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. <laughs>